Six nights just straight cooked in my heart. Follow broke like drop. Fuck with that door like V. Not that rock, that P. Pop me down to my sock, can't hold my Glock. Reason I don't really like that shit. Young Turner can't wipe no bitch. Excuse my French, don't like no bitch. Limo 10 on five, my car. Yeah, I had it hurt. Since my bitch broke bad, I ain't had it hurt. Yeah, that's us. Two tone AP, I'm buzz. Got the hair from her, ain't even wanna fuck. Why? Slut, bop. Nothing on me from sex, ain't thing revived. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Shoot Your Shot podcast. I am your host, C. Diddy, a.k.a. Kyrie Curving, a.k.a. Diddy Hendrick, a.k.a. Diddy Quarantino, a.k.a. Scheming A. Smith, a.k.a. the one true king of the South. Um, on the line, as always, is my co-host. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Allie Nicole, a.k.a. that fine-ass badass, a.k.a. that little baby who's so sick of being lonely. Every night while her man goes out to the protest. AKA your favorite <laughs> and most wholesome little shit talker. Hold on. You, you really tried to get that bullshit off. You tried to get that bullshit off. And like, I almost let you. I almost let it rock. I almost let it rock. I promise you, I almost let it rock. I'm um, tired. But you okay. know what? This we're isn't rude. even about me. We're, we're, we're being rude as shit. Per usual. So on today's episode, we have a guest on the line, all the way from the big, 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 big capital city. We got our girl Bandis. Um, Talk she's here to all, me. All the way from Columbus. We like to call her our ghetto guru. We'll get into why here in a minute. But Bandis, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? For sure. Y'all know it's the realest and the trillest, Big Bandis, a.k.a. Mary Swagdalen, a.k.a. <laughs> Gloria Vandertrill. A.K.A. El Oraculo. And yes, I know it's masculine because I'm the fucking man. You feel me? Period. It's a pleasure to be here, bro. It's been a long time coming. Y'all know it ain't no other podcast I'd rather be on than Shoot Your Shot. Period. Yo, the love is so real. Like, that's so real. But nah, we invited Bandis on. Bandis has been a friend of the show for a while. Like, I, I just can't even get into how long. But like, every time we pull up to the city, Bandis is a part of like, that Columbus crew that has never, that always makes me and Diddy feel like we're bigger than what we are. Like every time. Like, and it's Period. not like it's, she's giving us nothing but love and great energy. Um, but also, I call, get, call Bendis our ghetto guru because Bendis actually specializes in healing. Um, she real tapped in on the spiritual side of things. And I feel like with what's going on, you know, in our current climate, our girl can come on, pop some shit about how to realign yourself and get right. And finish getting yourself right, you know what I'm saying, in order to tackle this world ahead of us, all right? And we'll touch on what Bandis does here in a minute. But Calvin. What's up? How's your week been? <laughs> um, again, because we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it 100,000 on the podcast. You know I, mean? I, can't, can't lie, I, can't, I can't lie to the people, you feel me? Like, Talk to I'm him, a, see Diddy, talk to I'm him. A li- I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. So, like, I have been in a really dark place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think there's growth in understanding that you are in a dark place. So, like, I under, like I was like, I felt it. Like, I felt like I've been in a dark place. I mean, if we're going to keep it a uh, hundred with ourselves, I think I've been in a dark place since quarantine, to be quite honest, right? Because right. we've, we've discussed how it personally has affected us, you know, financially, spiritually, physically, mentally, all that. Um. And I, cause it's, it's funny because like 
I posted a couple pictures and they were like, okay, I see you looking slim. And I ain't have a heart to tell niggas that it was a stress. <laughs> like, fam, I, Nigga, I am hungry. Like, fam, I haven't been in the gym since this shit started. You feel me? Like, I've tried to do the home workouts. It's not, it ain't for me. Cause it's like, I just feel stupid because I got hardwood floors. So I'm like, I'm not going to do burpees on like hardwood floors. That's, that's painful. <laughs> you I need a yoga mat. Fam, but I, I also, hope not. Bears, they don't make yoga mat in my size. <laughs> like, all the yoga mats are made for, like... Hey, that's actually foot. true. They definitely discriminate against the big and hefties when it like, comes to the yoga mats, fam. Ben, like, you be out here talking like you're a thousand pounds, bro. First of all, I'm wide. With that being said, <laughs> they don't accommodate that width like they need to. You know, let's be progressive. It's 2020 now. I feel, I feel C. Diddy. I feel Calvin. You know <laughs> So, 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 like, I haven't been working I'm out for real, for real. This, nigga, this was your idea, Alex. This was your idea. <laughs> it's like, I always constantly feel attacked, though. Like, like you know, it's fine. We're going to get into the Calvin Shut the Fuck Up portion of the podcast later. I got it. So, let me get my shit off now before, before y'all shoot at me, all right? Like, relax. Um, and so... With that, you know, I haven't been in the gym, so, but like you, people are like, okay, I see you look slim. I'm like, it's clearly the stress. Like I, I went to the doctor, um, like last week, you know, get my checkups done and everything. Um, I weighed, I did weigh the least amount, but I've weighed in like I can remember, so that's positive. Um, I don't have. Put you out here one ten. <laughs> one ten plus a multiple some shit. We not, we cannot go this close. <laughs> Um, the actual weight, just, you know, you know what my weight is. My weight is so sexy. That's my weight. I, so we <laughs> numbers today, not 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 on my platform. <laughs> no. So oh god. So you know, you get some checks up. You know, weigh the least amount that I've weighed in since memory. Um, don't have the coronavirus, so God is still blessing all the trap niggas. Um, oh god. And just kind of, you know, I found out, you know, I'm almost there. Like, only bad thing was I went to the dentist, and the dentist, like, hurt my teeth because, like, Shorty was not gentle. And, like, and she told me I had, like, a small cavity. I was ready to fight. I was, like, we were in a running fade, period. Because, like, it was, like, she's, like, you know. You're, you're, like, how dare you do your job, Heffa? Yeah, bitch, like, like you, relax. She's, like, no, your gums are just sensitive. Like, no, you're just very, you're just very reckless and rough. Like, I You're very never aggressive. I ain't never had this problem until I met your ass, and now, now I'm just hurt. <laughs> so that's but, wild. But, but so yeah, so but kind of back to the original point. But like I've been in a dark place, and so I always thought that that therapy was supposed to be temporary, right? I was kind of supposed to like get help in figuring out how to do the shit on my own. But you know, a couple talks with like legitimate big bros like not the big bros just because he got money and you don't but like the legitimate niggas who have to give you advice um people kill me with that oh i'm broke you, so he's big bro you, shut you gotta, your ass you gotta give you gotta you gotta make the definitions and clear because some niggas be like oh that's big bro you've known him for four months how was that your big brother like right math don't math but like actual big bros niggas who like look out for the niggas he was like, nah, nigga, like, I've had, I've had, well, I have two therapists. Like, I have one for career shit and just been one for, like, regular mm-hmm. shit. I was like, so I reached out to, I t- reached out to a black male therapist. Um, the reason why I want a black male therapist, and we'll get into the reasons later, is because even though 
the black female therapist, black woman therapist that I was, that I had was cool. She was solid. I just didn't feel right, even though it's her job, just dumping my shit on her because she was a black woman. I'm like, I know it's your job, but like, it still feel icky. To it feels like you violate. Yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, like, so even though like, I know this is your job and I'm paying you to do this, it still felt like, eh, you know, so, but yeah, I've been in a dark place the last couple of days. I stayed off the timeline all yesterday because I just couldn't, I just was not in a mental space to be on the timeline, be on social media. Like, I kind of just, I kept to myself, you feel me? Just because, like, I just wasn't in a mental space to really be talking with niggas like that. So, And I'm social media has definitely been exhausting in itself. So, like... like so, so, I, so I'm glad that, you know, the big band is on because, you know, I need some help, you know, making sure that I'm whole because I can't be what I need to be if I'm not whole enough to give to others, so... Hey, on God, and and honestly, you kind of hit it on the head in the beginning. Literally, the not to get too deep, but the most impactful step you can make for yourself on some real shit is admitting that there's an issue. Right? Just admit you don't feel regular. Admit you're not comfortable. Like we as black folks, man, we some old grin and bear as people, bro. Like we do not want to acknowledge that shit do not feel right. And once you acknowledge that. You can start delving deeper into what's going on. Like maybe it is your surroundings. You started taking the steps like getting off of social media to try to come up with a solution. But I ain't going to lie. It's been rough for everybody. But you really, I mean, for, for the resources that you had access to, you really did the most powerful steps you could do just in them, that little conversation that we just had. Yeah. And I know, I know for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then, you know, we, we, we're going to touch on the reasonings why and everything like that. But it's also like, I want niggas to understand like, Racial fatigue is real as shit. It's real as fuck. Man. And if we get to a point where we think anything that's considered joy is a distraction, we're all going to perish. We're all going to fail. Because it's not normal. It's not natural to, like, be consistently angry and, like, like, and not just normal, but angry. We're talking, like, like, rage. It's not healthy to be in a constant state of rage. Stress manifests itself in the body, like through different ailments, through different conditions. Stress man, you can tell when someone's had a stressful life. And again, a couple of everything else, black people are more likely and disproportionately affected by. It. So it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. To just and so I've seen people it's like everything that's considered joy is considered a distraction. I'm like, hey, I trust my people to be able to do both. I trust my people to be able to laugh and also not forget of what's going on. Like, I, tr- I can trust my niggas to be like, okay, I can watch a basketball game for three hours and also remember that, like, shit ain't sweet right now. Right. And, mm-hmm. so, and so, go ahead. I just, for me, I've been mentally, we've been mentally exhausted for months now. And right now, it just feels like I'm kind of caving into that. Because I've been told, okay, you'll muscle through it. You'll muscle through it. Like, muscle through it. That's that's literally what I've been telling myself. My therapist is on maternity leave. So she did one session, and then she was like, okay, well, um, she already gave birth. She gave birth at, like, the beginning of April. And then she was just, like, kind of tiptoeing back into getting, you know, getting back into the office. And it's just soon for her. Like, it hasn't even really been, you know what I mean, like a month yet. Like, two months and, yet. And so maternity she, leave is, like, three months. Like you're supposed to be able yeah, to do shit. Not do shit. You're supposed right, you're supposed baby. to. And that's on the bare minimum end. 
Right. And so with her, she was just like, well, I don't want to take my, my 12 weeks consecutively. Like, if I need to come back part-time, I want the ability to do so, which is why she chose her career field. And that made sense for her. But, you know what I'm saying, with her being in and out of the office and me wanting to respect her space as a mom, like, I haven't hit her up. But lately, it's just like, bitch, I've been going through it and putting this weight on an unqualified trained professional, i.e. my friend. The majority of my friends are black women. So we all bear, as black women, we bear a lot of weight anyway. And putting my weight on a fellow black woman just does not feel right. And then right now, I have an extreme distaste, distrust of men to the point where I, do, I don't want any around me at the moment. Like not few and far in between. Like you have to be family to, be, to sit up underneath me at this point as a man. Because I just, I, I'm having severe distrust issues. And... I know that this is a trauma response and the fact that I can recognize that this is trauma lets me know that I definitely need to schedule an appointment. I just can't right now. Mm-hmm. So we've been, you know, doing some, not necessarily the best with coping mechanisms. I'll be honest. I have been high out of my mind, high mm-hmm. out of my mind, out of my mind. And it's been giving me the ability to both sleep and eat. So I've been overindulging just a little bit. Like I ain't a crackhead, but like, I know that I've, indulge more than like i've smoked the most this this quarantine than i have my entire life blowed to the point where guys y'all be happy my grown ass finally learned how to roast the feed <laughs> i finally learned I mean, how to do it i know i do realize between, i'm almost 30 yeah with your nails and shit like i'm like you know it'd be it'd be fucking up i'm pretty sure your nails and the length be like fucking up blunt sometimes so, like, no actually it helps because i can like while i'm rocking it i can poke the weed down a little bit and like and it helps me roll up i wonder what it's gonna look like what's crazy is that i function normally time with nails, nails do help yeah nails help greatly with rolling up as a yeah. connoisseur as well I can say that I roll some of the best smoking apparatuses with my nails. Smoking apparatuses is the fucking best way I've ever heard blunt in my entire life. <laughs> like, I'm taking that, papers, taking that with know. me. My nails have been called a lot of things. Like, dick grabbers, grippers, paws and claws. But, like, smoking apparatus? Bro, I was about to it's, ask, yes, like, ma'am. I was about to ask, it's have right. you been called anything that hasn't been related to like grabbing penises? I was just gonna try to figure it out because I know all the names I know often go back to like grabbing dick. So I'm just asking. I questions. mean, because the population that feels the need to name nails, you know, we kind of, you know, what I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, my manicure has never just been my manicure. I've never been like, hey guys, look at my nails, they're so fly. It's like, no, these dick suckers right here, y'all. These dick grabbers, these these fucking ball jugglers, what? These Bill money me. counters, these money ball counters. Ball jugglers, like, nigga. They're every. Ball <laughs> hey, bro. The only time I, I ask a nigga to pick my nail color is if his meat is two toned because I want to give him the opportunity. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying to to create the aesthetic that he would desire. So like it's ombre. That's me being so generous. So like so he so he, so he ombre. So yes, you might ombre. there are. <laughs> As well to give like a contrast or ombre. You feel me? Or like ombres go very well with solid colors, like solid matte colors. So if you know we got the ombre meat, you know what I'm saying? I might go with maybe a matte whatever. But it's like you know what I'm saying. I like to keep that that floor open for dialogue. 
fair because you know the, I, best, the best things are a partnership. You feel me? And so, like, period. Even the small things, especially the small things, because if you fuck up the small things, you will eventually will fuck up the big things. Like if I true, can't, like like if you match your drawers with my bonnet, I'm gonna know we here. Damn, I I done bought matching do rags and bonnet sets. Like I need us to be. See, look at oh the love. yes. You and Beloved, I've seen it. It's actually the cutest shit I've ever seen in the world. Like, it's cute. Beautiful. You know what? It's, ca- it's, it's definitely Calvin Brand headassery. But because so Calvin, doesn't, Calvin doesn't do headassery, like, not in public. You have to get it's him subtle. very intimate. And typically, like, it's always very subtle, but you know when Calvin loves you. Like, the day I literally cried over tacos, he sent me money for tacos. Like, I was literally out. Balling my eyes. That's out real. Tacos. That's beautiful, like, actually. Here, friend. It's because Mazute fucked Tuesday. up my order. It was Tuesday. Uh, it was a Taco Tuesday. He ordered some tacos. I literally they cried. They fucked up the tacos. You know, you know, Alex a crybaby in general, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, mm-hmm. the, if, the, if the wind hits her a certain way, she's going to fuck out in tears. But you, you can actually catch right. my eyes. I heard. You know what I'm saying? I heard. Listen, I gotta get a, listen, I gotta get in my little jabs now before you tell me to shut the fuck up for thirty five minutes. So, um, it's fine. So, so yeah, I'm like, I'm seeing this. I'm reading the shit on the timeline. I'm like, damn, friend. I don't know, cause I know how it is when you be looking forward to some shit and then the shit get fucked up. I, I understand. I can relate. You know, I'm a, as 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 a as a as a, as a nigga who likes food. I can, I can understand. So I'm like, you know what? Boom, get you some Bakersfield tacos because Bakersfield never fuck up your shit. So get you some Bakersfield tacos, and we can and we can and we can start on a path of new. You know, it's simple. You know what? That's beautiful. I love, I love you. Feel me? Problem solving, real cut and dry. I like that. That's friendship right there. You feel me? Like they fucked up. That's love, bro. You are you spent your hard on money on tacos. They fucked up your tacos. So now you out of money and out of tacos. I can give you more money so you can get more tacos. It's real simple. I think I'm gonna need to translate this for the broke niggas that may be listening. It's not about the tacos, (laughs) y'all. It's the gesture behind having the resources to be able to solve a small problem. See, a lot of broke niggas have Band-Aid issues, but they can't afford a Band-Aid. And And I'm gonna leave that at that. And now the wound getting affected, and now it's like, just look nasty. And now you want to blame the person that was hurt because you can't afford the antiseptic. Come on. Ooh, you better, you know what, Brandon? Let's go ahead and jump right into it, because that was deep. That was deep as fuck. So, <laughs> Dennis, tell the good people what it is that you do in your own words. Man, okay, so, um, I mean, honestly, what I do is in my name. I literally call myself the ghetto guru. I am an unconventionally trained spiritual life coach. Yeah, I do got one of them corny certifications from some online school that I paid money for back in the day, but that literally didn't do nothing but make me look good on paper. I um, actually am a very intuitive energy and I relay a lot of my wisdoms in the context that we understand being millennials, being, you know, of the the urban genre, you know, being ghetto, being black. And with that being said, a lot of what I can convey uh, penetrates in a, in a very impactful way to the community that I serve because I translate and I speak their language and I cater to my clients. And so I provide that spiritual clarity that um, when you may be in alignment with the, with the health and wellness, you may be in alignment with the, the mental health and things of that nature, but something feels off or 
you may be out of alignment with all of those things. But if it's one thing you can get in order, it's your spiritual connection with your source and your creator. So that's what I help facilitate with the good people. And you know what I'm saying? I like to call it being righteous and ratchet. And we out here. So yes, ma'am. All right. I love it. I love it. So in your personal practices, um, when you're feeling overwhelmed by anything, you, what do you do in order to get back, like back to center spiritually? And then what do you do to get yourself back to back to center spiritually in order to face this, the, the flesh world, as you call it? Well, one thing I think that um, a lot of people take for granted, including myself, um, in the midst of our brainwashing as humans and as millennials is we forsake the art of ritual. And what I mean by that is we know ritual as routine. We know ritual as, you know, memorization, as programming. But what ritual is, is being intentional behind repetitive actions, seeking a certain outcome. So with that being said, my practices require me to engage in ritual in everything that I do. If I'm not honoring my creator, if I'm not showing gratitude, if I'm not thanking God for the things that I've been provided, I'm not fulfilling my version of a ritual. You know what I'm saying? If I'm not acknowledging my spirit guides and my ancestors and those intangible individuals that offer resources, bro, I'm not honoring ritual. So for me, I literally do the same form of centering every day. I, mm-hmm. um, I, I created an altar and black folks, we are familiar with altars because the average black person was raised Christian. And we know the role that altars played in our religious practices in the spiritual realm. They have just as much of an important role, if not the center role for your tangible praise and worship for lack of better phrasing. So I personally, I'm going to sit at that altar. I have a whole room Allie, you family, you don't been to the crib. I literally right. have a whole room that I've purposed into a worship space. You feel me? That's where my clients come when they get readings. That's where I go to pray and com- commune. And this is where, this is where all those things, you know, happen and things of that nature. So with that being said, I, if I don't do anything else, if I don't do a reading, if I don't do a crazy uh, spell or whatever, I'm going to sit in my altar space and I'm just going to say thank you. If I don't have a long, drawn-out prayer, I'm going to focus on something and I'm going to say thank, thank you. And when it starts to really get heavy, for example, like y'all have been mentioning the, the, you know, the majority of the show, shit has been really heavy lately. It's been heavy for me as well because I am, I am an individual who, I mean, for lack of better phrasing, bro, for the most part, I don't, things don't trigger me like they used to. Like my spiritual work is so intentional. I don't react to things like everybody else reacts. And this is not me saying I'm elitist or I'm above reaction. It's that I'm intentional about centering myself so deeply within the earth and rooting myself so strongly within my creator. The aspect of emotions and emotionally fueled reactions, they just don't appeal to me. So with that being said, I continue my ritual. I continue my traditions. If I have the energy, if I'm in a better space than I'm in now, I may, you know, throw a little offering on the altar, you know what I'm saying? Make a sacrifice or two. But these are practices that I've trained and then learned and been mentored to engage in. But if you literally have nothing, if you don't even have a countertop, go sit on the floor in a corner of your home, close your eyes and literally just breathe, breathe into your body, count your breaths, be mindful. Shit, everybody got, everybody got eye watches and all that good stuff. Like, Use one of those apps to help you be mindful of your breathing. But the one thing that I can say is ritual and intention. If you are insistent on continuing your same routine every day, 
You don't, you can't, I'm not going to say you're not going to have anything to worry about, but you can ensure that the world is not going to impact you how it normally does. Oh, see, and that's, that's exactly what I think I'm getting at because things are, like I said before, things are just extremely heavy as fuck. Like AF. And we can actually get into it. Um, Calvin, mute your mic. <laughs> but I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you, dog. <laughs> Like, we're going to miss you on the other side. But um, this week, if you average it out, right, for the month of June, we have had a hashtag, a Black person has been murdered by the hands of law enforcement every day for the month of June. It is Today is June 16th. If we mm-hmm. average it out, we have lost. There's been a hashtag a happening, something on within the United States every day. And let's be mindful, not to interrupt you, let's be mindful. These are the ones that are being documented on a wide platform. We're not talking about them, them back alleys and them backwoods. And we're not talking about, because we know that's happening as well. Right. The things that aren't making national attention or aren't getting national news and and outlets and attention. The things that aren't being on social media. Every day somebody has died at the hands of law enforcement. Since since George Floyd, there have been 120 African American deaths. 120. A hundred and twenty since George Floyd alone in the past week alone, there were five the lynchings of, of law, law enforcement. In the past week alone, there were five black men that were nationally. They were all ruled a suicide. Even closer to home, which is definitely what I would like to speak on. Um, rest in peace, and I'm trying. I'm trying to practice her name. And so, guys, please be very patient with me. For the re- after I say her full name for the remainder of the show, out of respect for her, I'm going to just refer to her as her nickname because I don't. I hate people butchering your name; it's disrespectful. But um, Olu Watoyin, Watoyin, help me out, somebody. Oluwa Toyin, Oluwa Toyin, Saint Lou. Rest in peace. Um, give you guys some background. Ms. Toyin was an activist. She was a 19-year-old activist in her city. Um, she was just very vocal, very passionate about the state of Black America and the need for change. She was in the streets behind Black men like George Floyd and, and, and the many lives that we have lost. Um, she was actually seeking refuge away from her family, so she didn't have a home necessarily. She was seeking refuge in a church. Um, she was sexually assaulted twice. She described the man that on social media, there was a big push for women to out their abuser. And she outed the man who sexually assaulted her, came up missing a couple days later, and her body was actually found in the trunk of a vehicle next to another woman who was also trying to help her, right? She was killed by a black man. The same black man that masqueraded himself as a godly man in order to get access to her, in order to help her. He picked her up from a church, seeking refuge. He picked her up from a church. This man took her, took her back to his apartment and sexually assaulted her. She made it out of his apartment after that sexual assault, tweeted about her sexual assault, a couple days later was found dead. This impacted me more on such a personal level because in my head, 19 is a baby. 19, like, she literally had dreams and goals. And her life was stolen from her. The second part of this is that she was a, an activist. 
in the streets protesting and fighting for the same men who felt it was okay to take her life. I am beyond angry. I am beyond pissed off. And actually, because I want to make sure, let me back up, because I want to make sure I pay respect also to the woman that was also foul with Victoria. Um, her name was Victoria Sims. She was a 75-year-old retired state worker, well-known volunteer, and she also worked with local democratic politics. So she, this, this white woman was helping Toyin and also got slain in the, in the midst of trying to be there for our sister. Mind you, Miss, um, Miss Victoria is a white woman, and that's not lost on me in this story. What's also not lost on me is that Toyin is a dark-skinned woman, a dark-skinned woman. We need to have the conversation about, about colorism within our community. We need to have the conversation, and we're going we're gonna to have it right now, about how Black women create the, the movements that Black men are censored in were created off the back of both Black women and queer Black people. And we've had to beg for space in the same movements that were built off of our labor only to be slain by the same people we in the streets fighting for. You got me fucked up. You got me big fucked up. I'll be real with y'all. And I'm probably just very much so speaking out of anger, but parts of me have sat with this for the past 24 hours. Don't talk to me about another fucking protest until it starts censoring the black women lives that we lost. Do you know the life expectancy for, for trans black women is 35? And that the reason the, the, the number one killer of black trans women is black men being murdered by black men or suicide? <clears throat> We need to have a conversation, Black men. And it's not even just on no, like, the, the continued, the, the lip service conversation. There needs to be actual changes. Because you need to recognize, the, and a lot of Black men hate hearing this, but you're not recognizing the fact that you do uphold patriarchy and you are the number one cause of violence to Black women. You need to hear that. You need to start talking to your homeboys and checking yourself and your behavior. Because it's, it is literally killing the Black women that you claim that you ride for. It's killing us. And it's come to the realization, just even having this conversation on seeing this conversation on social media and other outlets, y'all don't give a fuck. And when you talk to black men about their behavior, they, they adopt the same rhetoric as white, suppr white suppressors. Yes, they it's do. Ga it's gaslighting us to the point of inexistence. It's erasing black women and their stories and the trauma that we put through because you do not want to hear that you're causing harm to the same people who are fighting for you. It gets hard not to divest into the same people that you love, divest from the same people that you love. I love black men, but y'all expect love to come from black women without accountability and for free all the time and without reciprocity. Y'all have taken advantage of the fact that Black women have been writing out for you and all we get in return is our asses killed. Protecting Black men directly puts me in the line of fire and it's never reciprocated. And I'm tired of, of losing Black lives like Breonna Taylor and Toya and Selu and, and, and the countless others. There was a 19-year-old Toledo woman who was shot and killed at a fucking stoplight by a white man in Toledo, Ohio. She was minding her business. She had just graduated from high school. She was headed to Central State University. That was our, that's in our backyard. She was our baby to protect. And black men are failing us. They are failing us. 
as a whole, black men are failing black women. And it sucks to know that I could be in the presence of a black man that is unfamiliar with me and feel as unsafe, feel more unsafe than I would be standing in a room full of white people. Because at least I know they don't like me. At least I know that they have no respect for me. At least I know. With black men, I have no idea. Because a lot of black men don't feel like you have to protect black women unless you know them, unless you're your sister, unless you have some relation to them, unless you're conventionally attractive or light-skinned. You don't feel the need to take up the fight of black women that you don't have relation to. So we're left just what? Fuck us? Empty-handed? Scared? Endangered? I need black men to recognize their privilege as men. I get tired of having to have the conversation about explaining to black men what intersectionality is. That's the part that hurts me. I do not get to choose what, which way I enter a room, a woman, a woman or a black one. And then I have the audacity to be clear on top of that. I don't get to pick and choose what hat I wear when I walk into this room. You get to see it all at one sitting time. And black women are marginalized within our community. Black queers are marginalized within this community. And it's time for black men to stop centering themselves in this fight and understand that until all black lives matter, yours can't either. And the fact that we've been saying this for years and it's taking black women to literally black women have to die in order for y'all to understand how harmful you are. It's hard to continue to invest in the same people who are killing me. Um, you know, I went on a tangent. Bandit, you got anything you want to add? <laughs> I do. It's, I, I do. I feel like you made a lot of valid points, and I feel like you hit a lot of nails on the head, and I'm definitely going to introduce another perspective because I know it's a few men out there that are listening that are like, bruh, I don't rape women. I don't abuse women. I do check my homeboys. I do defend, you know what I'm saying, women that I feel like may be in danger. I do do these things. I do this. I do that, and that's perfectly fine. Thank you, big dog. However... There's a little word that we like to refer to as microaggressions. Um, some of you may know of it as dog whistle politics. Um, and for those of you that are, aren't informed on either of those words, these are comments or actions that are only interpreted as offensive by the oppressed party. So, for example, I'm going to use an example that I feel like everybody should understand. When you walk into a room and you're interacting with a white person as a black person and you open your mouth to speak and they say something along the lines of, oh, you're very well spoken. Well, what was your expectation? What was your expectation, white person? That's a microaggression. When you are a woman who maybe is ha you, who maybe is a mother, when you're a black woman who happens to be a mother as well, and you take your child into a space and you take your child to a doctor's office and to a program and they ask questions like, oh, is the father still present? These are microaggressions. Yep. These are dog whistle politics. So how this translates into the interactions between black men and black women. When, you're, when, you're, when your sister or your best friend or your bestie or the woman that you can confide in about your issues comes to you and lets you know, hey, uh, your homeboy John made me feel uncomfortable. And you ask her something along the lines of, well, did you give him any hints that you was feeling them? That's microaggression. When somebody, when, when you tell, when you, when your women friends or your, your, your sisters or your cousins or whoever, whatever woman you have a, a intimate non-sexual or sexual relationship with, when they come to you and tell you, Hey, one in four women has actually been sexually assaulted. And you ask things like, well, where did that number come from? When a woman comes out fully about her assault and you ask questions along the lines of, well, why didn't you report it then? 
that's you aiding in the abuse and the and the murder of black women. You don't realize how harmful that narrative and that rhetoric is because it doesn't have a physical repercussion. However, that same foundation is what little boys are witnessing when they grow up and deem a trans woman unworthy of love and protection because she's not a woman in their eyes. That's not for them to decide. However, when you have conversations where you constantly invalidate the women in your community who you're supposed to uphold, you create a world where killing a trans woman is not going to be punished by community or by the law. Where a black woman that can march and risk her life for black men is still not vindicated by black men, even so probably hurt by them in the process. And I know we love to argue proximity when it talks about who is the perpetrators of what crimes. But if we are in proximity of black men, how is it that we you guys are the number one perpetrators of violent crimes against us? Honestly, with what I witnessed, it should be women on women crimes the way we treat each other. But the fact still stands. You cannot argue statistics. You cannot argue what's been measured and what's documented. You cannot refute anybody's narrative because it doesn't align with what you deem the truth. And that's what black men have to understand. Do black women need work? Absolutely. But if we're being 100, black women and black men have the number one thing in common. We're all suffering from the effects of patriarchy. However, black women don't have a choice in how we have to navigate it and black men do. Because at the end of the day, although your role in in patriarchy is still as the oppressed, you have a party to oppress and that is black women. So I say all that to say, if you are not, you may not be an individual busting bitches upside the head because they don't want to give you their number. But if you're the man who thinks that a woman has to have a bottle present in order for her to relax around you, you're a problem. If you don't believe when women come to you and tell you that your homeboy is an issue, you're a problem. If a woman comes out to you about an assault and you try to question it and deconstruct it, you're a problem. If a woman expresses you what her issue is and you tell her it's invalid because she's emotional, you're a problem. And you sound just like what white people say to black men and Black Lives Matter movements and any other movement that does not go under the name of Black Lives Matter. That's what you sound like. So if we're going to be 100 family, it's literally those small little things that build into this big foundation of fuck shit. And at the end of the day, we are all suffering under white patriarchy, but nobody is going to get anywhere by pointing fingers and placing the blame. And I'm a very solution oriented individual. So I'm going to put my ideology out here like this. If you want to know if you honestly and truly want to be a solution and you don't want to be a problem as a black man and as a black woman, too, because we carry a lot of harmful narratives towards our sisters that put us in harm's way as well. But if you want to start. But if you want to start by dismantling that ideology, bro, start calling yourself a liar and just accept the fact that everything you've been told about anything is wrong. And yeah, that's a big leap to take to your identity, but it's literally only thing that we probably can do to save us as a community. That's the simplest thing you can do. It's the freest thing you can do. Not going to say it's going to be burdensome, but it's literally the one thing you can do as a black person in our community. Question everything within yourself taunt yourself look up things that are going to contradict what you hold to be true and build off of that but like my good sis ali said bro as a black woman i'm hurting like shit i'm scared like fuck and i'm bro as a spiritual woman and as a, a masculine presenting woman and a strong you know what i'm saying individual bro it makes me scared that men will look at me and be like not even not that I'm not even worthy of protection, but I don't need it. At the end of the day, we need protection from you each know other. What? And black women are putting themselves on. 
the head. Like, I don't mean Like, black women are putting themselves... Yeah, no, but I, I, and I'm done after this. We all need each other's protection. Black women need black men. Black men need black women. Black women, statistically, socially, uh, uh, internally, we are putting ourselves in position to be power players in our community, and we're still getting dogged and disenfranchised. I can't say the same for black men all the time, bro. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, though. It's that we, like, me and Calvin talk about this all the time. We don't play the oppression Olympics here because there are no winners in that. Like, we're not going to sit here and pretend like this conversation isn't about like black women have it so much worse than black men. We're not talking about not that. at all. We're, not we're, at all. We don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want. I hate when people hear the, this conversation and they immediately get divisive. But if we're going to talk about free black lives, we're going to talk about the harm that we've caused each other. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. the harm that black women have. This conversation is about the harm that black men have put black women into. And this isn't to talk, and we spend a lot of time, and especially Calvin has a space and opportunity and uses this space and opportunity to talk about the, the state of black men. And we give him and nothing but support in order to do that. But on this here today's podcast, we're talking about black women. And if anybody gets offended by that, this is no longer the podcast for you. I wanted to make sure that I made that clear. This is not the oppression Olympics, but we are going to focus on the pain that black women are facing. And yes, it is unfortunately at the hands of black men. And if you can't, aren't man enough or woman enough to hear that, this is no longer the podcast for you, if it ever was to begin with. Because I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I'm not. And this isn't a conversation that is supposed to be about offense and hurting feelings, but we give it to each other straight up. And that includes telling each other the things that aren't, bro, I'm not going to fucking feed you shit and call it fucking, and call it uh, chocolate cake. This is shit. And, well, no, chocolate cake is also shit. Because who the fuck is out here really just eating chocolate cake? I cannot stand chocolate fucking cake. I'm sorry. It's fucking nasty as shit. But no. (laughs) Like, bro, hold on. I don't let y'all slander everything. Y'all gonna slander chocolate cake too, nigga? What the fuck? Fam. Double chocolate cake does not have a purpose in this realm. What the fuck? Like, listen, I've been quiet for the last 30 minutes. My nigga said, what the fuck? Calvin has let us go off for like 20 minutes. But like, Calvin, do you have anything you wanted to add? I'm sorry. Yes. Is, is, is that okay? <laughs> He's scared. <laughs> Come no, outside, God. Calvin. Ain't nobody finna jump you. Lie again, motherfucker. If you're you. you scared, go to church. Listen, <laughs> I go to church. My mama, whole pastor. Um, all right. That's, so, why the, that's why the pastor kids be wild. Listen, wow. I, I ain't never... I ain't never shy. Don't lie on this here Lord's platform. I ain't never shy. I ain't never shy away <laughs> from who I am. Like people, if you know, you know. All right, but okay. All right. So I'm gonna try to make this as mainline and streamlined as possible. But I don't know. It, it is. I'm freestyle. I don't have no. So, couple things, right? First and foremost, even. The definition of protect is, is patriarchal. Am I wrong? Because we're talking about protect, like, the, the, the goal shouldn't necessarily be, the goal is to make sure I shouldn't have to protect you from anything, not necessarily protect you from everything. Does that make sense? So, like, it does, I should, but so we don't live like, in that society. So, so that's what I'm like, because I saw something, it was like, you know, we, we wanted to dismantle the system and we want to break down the shit. Because even 
of even saying like we need to black men need to protect black women it's centering black men and we just discuss how we don't want we want to decentralize that but on some but i just said we need we're our responsibility is to protect one another okay and, yeah that's, and so like again this is a streamlined sort of thing i'm kind of just trying to get the thoughts i had in my head the last 48 out before we move on and so again i took a break off social media yesterday because i did i just didn't want to be privy to the conversation because I don't think I don't think social media is the right avenue for these type of conversations. I don't. I, I, and I hate it. I hate it. And, here, and here's a reason why. I hate these conversations because it, feel, it feels hamster wheel to me. Um, because it, it, it feels real hamster wheelish. It feels performative and, it's performative and it feels like preaching to the choir. For the most part, to me, to me again, I am one man. I am one man with one opinion. So, for example, like I see niggas, I see niggas who, who try to get their cool points, they try to get their brownie points, you know, tweeting solidarity with you know with the black women. We need to protect our black women, and they, but I know these niggas in real life, and I know they're not like that. So that so so for me, it it, it bugs me. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, first certain niggas I seen. On on this on Beyonce's internet today, talking about like, yeah, we need to protect white black women. We need to just, we need to you know if it, if it means pissing a black, you know all that type of shit. But I'm like, nigga, I know you, and I know you don't. I know, <laughs> I know women feel weird about your ass. Like like stop like stop playing because again, so I hate the performative aspect of it, right? Because I'm like these conversations, the real life, real gritty ass conversations, aren't meant for social media consumption. To be quite honest, right? Like there's not. There's only so much in-depth greediness, like real life shit I can get in 280 characters on a public platform with everybody watching this. So that's why I, I, hate, this, I hate this conversation. The second thing I really hate this conversation on social media because it feels cancer. It feels like we go round and round and we don't get because I've seen videos today of like, you know, niggas Throwing, uh, throwing a black woman in a dumpster as a joke. I seen somebody, you know, hit shorty in the face because she rejected them. But those type of niggas aren't going to be affected by social media discourse. Does that make sense to me? Like, right. if you the type of if you the type of nigga to hit shorty in the face with a skateboard because she she didn't want to take your number, if you the type of nigga to you know throw shorty in a dumpster for whatever reason because you thought it was funny, you're not going to be affected by people in your mentions. It's like me discussing Black Lives Matter with the Klanman. It's like, for certain things, I'm like, no matter what I say, you you stand in ten toes down in what you believe in. And you don't, and it's not right what you believe in, but you, you're also not going to be convinced off of social media discourse. You, you, so it, it leads, and, I, and I'm using good in quotation marks, right? So those niggas, the, the, the niggas that are most flagrant, most foul, aren't on social media engaging in this because they're they're just not them type of niggas. So it leaves the in quotation marks with good black men arguing with the good black women and it turns into a hamster wheel. Because a lot of it is debating and switching to the choir. Like the niggas who are more likely to like indelve in these conversations are the niggas who who are, you know what I'm saying, like more likely to already believe what you're talking about. And so that's why I don't like these conversations on social media, because again, to me it's not doing shit. And like niggas was in my mentions yesterday when I said, like, look, 
I, I told niggas, I'm like, look, black women ain't here for your social media condolences right now. Like, like we're not here for your tweets. We're not here for your Instagram posts. We're not here for your words, my nigga. It's I didn't want to hear shit from a black man yesterday. I don't, and, and I don't want to hear shit from anybody. And like, like again, and, and like, a nigga, and what was, and a nigga like me. What is that? Wrong. That's why I was like, what the fuck. Um, Darth Vader into the shot. What's going on? <laughs> nigga, nigga Thanos, nigga Thanos came in from the time room, fuck niggas up. But you know what I'm saying? So like a nigga like me, I read the room. I'm like, ain't shit I could say right now that's gonna make you feel better. I ain't even talked to you yesterday because I knew what the vibe was. Like, no. you know what I'm saying? Because so, like that's not gonna mean shit to me. That's why I don't like this shit. Secondly, and secondly, I think a lot of it is I hate when people take things that already happened and then try to make them new words in order to make themselves sound smart. Like, black male privilege is just male privilege. Like, yeah, it's intersectionality. <laughs> it's, it's intersectionality to me, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, and I wish niggas really understood intersectionality the way they think they do. It annoys me. Because it's like, black male privilege is saying like, yeah, nigga, you got privilege as a man. Yet you, you down bad because you black and you poor or you depend on your class and you're in, but you also got one leg up because you're a nigga, because you're a man. Versus, because you can be a black man who's poor as fuck, you, 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 down, you down two strikes. Or you can be a rich man, like OJ Simpson, but when you get hot water, they remind you you're still black. So like, oh, I hate when people try to, I hate when people try to repackage old shit into new shit. It's like, damn, I don't give a fuck for you to sound that smart. You feel me? Now, I mean, so Angela Davis said it best. There are certain blacks I do not want to be in alignment with, and, and there are, and and it's at the bottom and at both at what we consider the bottom and the top of this social totem pole. And we can actually talk. I would like to get into that, Calvin. I'm going to let you finish your point, though. I'm sorry. But they, like, like she said it, read, she put that I in read women work. race. I read women race and class by her, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, again, mm-hmm. if, I'm going to try to educate myself whenever I can. You know what I'm saying? Google's still free for time. So I read it. And, and so there's, there's, a, there's a phrase, by, there's, a, there's a kind of thing by Chris Rock. It said, it's like, it's a whole thing, and I wish we could put it in the actual podcast, but YouTube and, you know, the labels will take that bitch down immediately. But it basically says, like, the people with the least amount of shit can say the most shit, and the people with the most shit can say the least shit. Like, it talks about, like, how short niggas can make tall jokes all day, and no one really gives a fuck because they're short. But if a tall, mother, but if a tall person makes jokes on a short person, it's me. Same, you know, same way, like... Like a, a, a quote unquote fat chick can make all the jokes in the world about the skinny chick. No one's gonna give a fuck because again, she's she's marginalized already. But as soon as the skinny shit starts talking about the fat chicks, it's me. Things of that nature. So the people who are most marginalized get to say the most shit, and people who are least marginalized get to say the least shit. And if you want to say more shit, get, you got to get rid of some of your shit. So when we tie it into this, it's like, look, as a as a black man. There's people I can say the most shit to as far as like explaining my oppression, as far as explaining the things that are going on. And there's times where I gotta shut the fuck up and listen. It's a totem, like the totem pole you talked about. Like, if, 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 if it's the way society is. And if you want to be able to, you know, speak up more, you, you're be more marginalized. Like, so that's why I don't necessarily get, I used to get super frustrated, right? With, the mm-hmm. men are trash tweets with just of the constant discourse. And there's a difference, and I understand the difference between slander and accountability. 
Some black women just slander. Most black women are account- just want accountability. I understand the difference. And there's some people who find home in chaos and conflict. Like there's some people when we were all kind of together in the you know 24, 48 hours after George Floyd who hated that shit because they thrive off of arguments, they thrive off of division. And who were just waiting for it for the kumbayas and the and the solidarity to go away so they can get back to getting their bullshit off with under the cloak of whatever the fuck. But it's yeah, the last twenty four last forty eight is frustrating. It's frustrating because um Toyin can couldn't find home in our family because she was estranged from her family. Like her mother, our family had abused her and like not really given her any space. Like the system failed her. You know what I'm saying? Like the system failed her from jump. Like she was out here. You would think that someone who's a vocal activist could be able to find refuge and find safety, and she couldn't. And that's and that's something you gotta own. You, gotta, it, it, you know, it's you not. Eat that. You gotta eat. You that know, it's not lost on me about. What's up? Um, I'm sorry. By the way, rest in rest what? in peace. Ryan Milton too. Rest in peace, Ryan Milton. Um, because she's, that that's that's local. That's that's Liberty Township. Nigga, that's a twenty five minute drive. Man, um, yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like nigga. I've drove. I've driven past. This I'm shit is the- getting literally closer to home. We have you know Toledo. So like, we have Liberty Township. That was Akron. Uh, so the one baby girl who got shot. My bad, Akron. I'm Akron. sorry. You're right. I just wanted to make Akron, sure we were sorry correct on that one but yeah so like i understand it like i just kind of you know that's why at this point there's certain even when y'all say certain shit that's not true i i don't even correct it anymore. i'm just like all right i'm just gonna let them get that off i know it's not wrong but even if it's i know it's not right but even if i try to tell you it's not right it's going to come off away you got it. but just you know what i'm saying like again the people with the least shit get to say the most shit the people with the most shit gotta shut the fuck up sometimes that's it So, and you're absolutely right. I think that I forgot my point that I was trying to make. I dead ass forgot was, my entire it point. About, it was something about totem <laughs> Excuse me. It's allergy season, guys. I don't have COVID. Please don't jump my throat. <laughs> I don't know, baby. You, I'm you, so you sorry. Was bart- you was barking in the treehouse. Man, both. Oh, you know what? I'm going to get into that, too, on the li- when we get to the lighthearted portion of the podcast. But no! I'm, what was my point, Calvin? Because I it have one, about, but then I see about, about not wanting to be aligned with all, all kinfolk, all skinfolk ain't your kinfolk. Period. And there are certain blacks I do not want to be in alignment with. And Angela Davis, when she said that shit, I damn near shouted. Like, she's absolutely right. But I also, since we're on the topic, I would like to talk to elitist blacks that assume that your proximity to wealth and access exudes you from being treated like the nigger that you are. It does not. Whiteness. And it's whiteness. Like they assume their proximity to. You think that black excellence? Honestly, the blacks that think that black excellence is with a degree and an access and an influx amount of money and a wife and the perfect life. If you you think that's that's just the only version of black excellence that you'll acknowledge or you think exists, I am not the black for you. Because I I feel like. I don't mean to cut you off, Ali, but I feel like the most dangerous type of black people are the black people who insist that their kids need to be in majority white institutions in order for them to thrive. You are not only Absolutely. endangering your child, but you are endangering yourself with what you're going to have to deal with as the reper- like the repercussions of your child being in a space where they are not wanted or desired or valued. That's the other part. And I think the one thing, the one regret that I have is not going to 
a lot of it had to do with the fact that like, I mean, access to it and, and I had a child, so there were other arrangements that need, were going to definitely need for me. But it's the one time on earth, and I'm going to definitely preach this to kiddo. If you do decide to go the school route, I would prefer that you went black first. I prefer an HBC. You got your entire life to be a minority. Also, that's if college is even necessary. But we'll get into that later. My point about the matter is that I stand, when I say all black life matters, I'm not just, I'm not out here writing for the college educated and the people who check off all these respectability politic boxes. I'm writing for the fucking ghetto girls too. Bamboo earrings. I'm writing for the, for the fucking corner boys. I'm writing for the black kids who don't have it as good as my black child. All black life matters, including the ones that I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing for the black blurred who don't even realize that they need to be fought, that they need to be fought for to begin with. I'm writing for the black werewolves I don't even like because there's a bigger issue. There's a bigger issue at hand. And that if you're if your black excellence is not is not inclusive to the black lives who do not mirror yours or that you can't personally relate to, then you're on the wrong side of this fight, too. One final thing. I just then want. I'll, then, then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll wrap up. No, I'll go ahead, Frank. We are in a war, right? You know what I'm saying? And like, and make make no mistakes about it. We are in a war. Um, and a war is the the war's attacked with on multiple fronts. So, a couple things. One, you may be a boycotter, right? You may be a, you may be. A, we not buying none of their shit, and that's your role. Cool, it's lit. Other people may not be a boycotter. They may be a protester. They're out on the front lines. Bet it's lit for them. Other people, again, we're still in a fucking pandemic, and we'll talk about how this this curve ain't flattening. Um, other people may be, you know, the social media people, like making sure things get awareness, making sure things get, you know, re. Other people may be the donators. Other people, you know, what I'm saying. So there's multiple fronts that this needs to be attacked. You know what I mean? So it's like don't shame people. Because your mission may not be their mission. Secondly, and I, under, I understand the motive of divestment, right? Hell, we talked about right. all the riots and shit. If black men own shit, y'all would burn it down by now. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we have targets. Boy, but you motherfuckers don't got nothing but opinions. And you and... can't burn down opinions. <laughs> I would Niggas try. try to... Niggas, niggas tried to bring down opinions. I don't give a fuck. But anyway, so we talk about divestment, right? And the 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 truth is, and kind of back to you know Bams's point. No matter how much resentment there is between the factions, we can't win unless all factions are were aligned. Mm-hmm. Because the moment, and we've seen it, like, and I hate, I don't want to get all whole tab, third eye woke on niggas, but we have seen intentional division but of black people and between black people since we were brought over from from when from when they used to rape our women in front of us to, to, to put in the black woman's money and the black man can't say. To the colorism debates that started with the slave shit because the house Negroes were light-skinned and the field Negroes were dark-skinned and, and trickled down and we got sold the dope and we, we got high off the shit. We could talk about how, you know, they, they planted, they, 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 they shipped crack into the hood 
and, and got got a generation of people high and fucked up. We could talk about how they kill our fathers and make then make fun of us for not having dads. We could talk about let's talk about how they they murder black women at who, with a two hundred and forty eight percent mortality rate when it comes to being pregnant. Like we could talk about all of that, and that don't matter how much money you make. Ask Serena. See what I'm saying? So it's like ask Beyonce. So we mm-hmm. talking. So we talking all of these things that have been placed to divide us, and it's, and it's been done with a purpose. And a lot of times we have fell in for the we fall in for the okie doke. And I just want to end with a point like, yes, if all all Black Lives Matter means like, look, if I can't see humanity in in a, in a in a, in a, in a Rhea Milton or a Tony McVay or a Beyonce Taylor or a George Floyd or a Timothy Thomas or a Sam Dubose or a Catherine John, like if I can't see humanity in everyone who looks like me, and, and I'm not willing to ride for everybody who looks like me, we're going to lose. We have to be a united front. We may not, we're not going to agree I, on everything, but we have to move in a certain way. Otherwise, we will, die. we will die and we will lose. And I'm really glad that you said that. I don't have to agree in order for there to be progress. And I think the moment we keep trying to wait for black people to get on one accord. No, some niggas are just going to have to be mad. And, but you're going to have to continue to vote. You're going to have to continue to fight. I may not necessarily agree with the way we're getting shit done, but shit is getting done. And I think that, like I said, you can, we have to get past the fact that we disagree with each other and get, start getting to progress. We're not going to be on the same page, but the pages do need to keep turning and the motion still needs to be forward. And we at least need to be in the same chapter in the sense Period. that, like, I, I agree with what Calvin said, because from a, from a managerial standpoint, Ain't nobody and they mama gonna ever be on complete alignment. But if we all have the same goal, the same focus, I don't care how you get there. As long as how you get there does not jeopardize the integrity of the group. That's literally what it is. Black folks need to come to one consensus over what we want for real. And once we decide what we want, I don't care how. I don't care if you boycotted away. I don't care if you protested away. I don't care if you fasted away. I don't care if you prayed away. I don't care if you root working away. It's enough of us with each of these individualized ideology that they're solidarity in these subcategories of understanding. But the bottom line is we need a common goal line. You don't see motherfucking relay teams on the damn track running through the bleachers. Nah, bro. They know run your quarter of the circle, hand that baton off, keep it pushing. We are trying to get to the fucking finish line though. That was a perfect analogy. That was Honestly, the perfect, I had, I had perfect more points, analogy. But I don't feel like sullying that analogy. No, like that was the perfect analogy. All right, friends. So everybody watched Insecure. This past was the season finale. Um, Shoot me! (laughs) You you didn't watch it? No, I did, bro. I still stand by that. Don't shoot me. That shit was stressful. Nigga, nigga. (laughs) I just want to let it know. I am hanging up my Best Buy polo. I am turning my revelation. What, Calvin, bro? I've been following you since before Shoot Your Shot, bro. You've been listen, MVP of Team Lawrence, bro. Listen, Why are we also, hanging up the jersey? And I'm this also, is the one time I don't I don't think Lawrence is the bad guy. I hate him the last three seasons. It's the one time listen, I don't think he the bad guy, bro. Listen, the one time. I'm a, let, me, let me break it down. So let's, let's, let's catch up our audience, right? So see the finale is secure. So, Spoil alerts, guys. All of that, but by the time it released, if you ain't watch, <laughs> if you ain't watch the season finale, you just ain't wasn't gonna watch the shit. To be quite honest, fuck you. 
that's kind of like how everybody feels about it. You know what? Real quick, shout out to Mike. Um, I was in Columbus. I was actually at the Star Trek shop, and he literally trolled me about the fact that I have still not been able to see Queen and Slim. So he sent me a free link to watch it. And guess who still hasn't watched it? <laughs> you, Girl, you ain't missing shit. You, it, I promise you, the movie. So shout out to Mike. Shout out to Doug too, because Doug gonna, was. You know, what? I want my own opinion. I want my own opinion. It's garbage. But yeah, the fact that like I'm still getting trolled. I can't wait to hear that episode, nigga. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna participate. I'm gonna literally take the take the. Cabin, you seen that, haven't you? Yes, it's garbage, bro. It's yeah, crap. she ain't ready. She ain't ready. She thinks she need her Listen, own. Listen, Alex, I promise you on everything I love, you're gonna get 20 minutes of that, that movie and get pissed off, and you're not gonna be unpissed off the remainder of the movie. Okay. Like, let's let, let's okay. tap in. All your niggas don't like it. Like, every one of your niggas don't fuck with this movie. No, none of you guys, like, none of not, you. Yeah. Except for Doug. No. Except for Doug. Doug <laughs> But like all the rest of us don't fuck with it. What makes you think that you are gonna be girl here? right? I don't know. I I tend to have the obtuse opinion of my friend group anyway. So we'll see. We will absolutely see. But no, Calvin, I'm sorry. Get the season, the season finale of Insecure. So so we start off with um Lawrence getting the job in San Francisco. And him and Issa kind of have a conversation about like distance, like is what you know, because L.A. San Fran it's a forty-five minute flight, but you know, as someone who has dated niggas, has, has dated women who who lived in Columbus, that two-hour drive can sometimes feel like eight hours. So I understand the conversation, especially so, when your ass don't want to do it. I too have dated saying? somebody in Columbus, and that drive can be daunting when you. D- no, what I used to do, my dumb ass, I used to get off of work at 5.30 when I was at the casino, hit the highway in rush hour traffic so I would be in Columbus by 7.30, 8 o'clock to have to turn around and be up by 6 a.m. so I could be back at work by 9 on time. Oh, all y'all live in flagrant because I ain't fucking going. See, no, the that's, crazy that's things a, that's I did for love. That's a her thing. I don't do that shit. Nah, because I'm not going to hear. But also the man that I was dating at the time, his love language was like quality time. So I just wanted to make sure that like, I invested into that, and it was easier for me at that time to come and see him, so I did. Bandit All right, y'all, y'all didn't have to go to the silent. Y'all didn't have to go silent. <laughs> y'all didn't have to do that. I am with you. I wish, oh man, I wish I could record in y'all's face, because, uh... <laughs> no, man, the one thing it's I miss fine. about this remote, this remote recording is the fact that Alex can't see my facial expression when she says some shit, because, like, the faces I make, just, you know, add a little pizzazz. But anyway, so they talk about I hate y'all. distance. And we talk about, like, can they make it work? And you know what I'm saying? And so then we, get, we go to Molly and Andrew the first time. So they are kind of having, they're starting that argument that we all knew was going to happen, like, three episodes ago. About mm-hmm. how Andrew will bend over backwards to appease Molly, but Molly won't do the same. It's, there's no reciprocity. In that relationship. Reciprocity. Reciprocity. I, you know, words are hard. And so, <laughs> and so, and so while we're kind of like getting ready to kind of hit that crescendo, Molly get a call from Kelly. Turns out Tiffany done went AWOL on it. So then, I, and I really, this finale should have been like 40 minutes because. I it should have. We were old. Because we were I'm old 40 it, minutes. I'm going to keep it a butt. Tiffany, like my second least favorite character on that show to be quite honest 
And I could have done without a 20-minute portion of the season finale spent trying to find her ass. I understand, like, it was trying to, you know, trying to bring her postpartum kind of, like, to the light. How, how she went AWOL. It was an art. And shout out to Derek because, you know, Derek, A, blamed himself. He was like, what could I have done more? What could I have done to, like, you know, make sure she was good? And But then when they finally find... Derek, that, they definitely... He was a definitely a well-written character as far as... Speaking from a personal point of view, as a nigga who has dealt with postpartum with no kids, that shit was uh, very accurate. It was extremely accurate. And as so, somebody who had postpartum. Extremely accurate. And so, yeah, and so, like, you know, because you... You think it's all your fault as as the as the partner. You're like, damn, what could I have done? You know what I'm saying? You trying to you trying to rack your brain on like where you fucked up. And sometimes it the simple thing about all depression, especially postpartum, is like sometimes it ain't your fault. It's just it just the mind playing tricks on you. Shout out to the ghetto. It's boys. chemicals. It's literal chemicals in your body. And so and so they have that arc. You know what I'm saying? Where it's kind of Issa and Molly are kind of like teaming up to try to find. Tiffany, and they eventually find her at the Sheraton. Um, I that that random police scene was real triggering to me. I didn't like it. I didn't like, I didn't it, like it either. I, I I really felt like Issa and the writers should just read the room on that one and just kind of like left that out. But so they finally find they finally find Tiffany. They're goodly to yell at her. He just kind of gets her in a brace, you know, trying to be as understanding as possible. And so then we get to the wrap up. So the wrap up first is Molly and Andrew kind of um they broke up in my head. I know they didn't necessarily say You know what? In my head, since, I was about to say that. Let's that's it over. Tip, let's not even tiptoe around it. Because they're they asking that's that shit question. over. And it hey, with, with literally with the catalyst for it, I appreciate it. It was like they just came home from a date night from Molly's work event that she asked Derek to be her. I mean Derek, ha. Huh? Asked Andrew to be her plus one too. And so we get back to the house and they have a show, of course, finding Latoya. They ain't find a bitch either by the season finale. And then they hit us with some corny ass YouTube link to watch it. And fuck that. Y'all should have ended it like y'all do every season with every show that y'all. Anyway, the show within the show has a finale at the same time as the season finale, bitch. Anywho, so. You big, you big uh, man, little man, or medium man. I was hit. I did not appreciate that. So. What so basically Andrew was just like, Oh, I'm gonna watch the, the show, and Molly was just like, Oh, well, I wanted to go to bed. I wanted to go to bed. Um, well, can we watch another time? And Andrew kind of stomped at her, just like, Of course, everything's on your schedule. And Molly was like, Okay, what's the, what's the shade about? And Andrew cut into her. It's just like, Dog, I've done everything that we've done that we're done and that we're doing happens on your turn. Every single thing. We are here now because it's what you wanted at the pace that you wanted, and you're n- you never consider my time, my schedule, or what I actually want in the moment. So Andrew so ends up leaving. About how, we talked about how like she is ignored. You know what I'm saying? How, like hit him trying to reconcile shit with his brother. Like she flaked out on a game. She she is kind of yeah. She uh she she was consistent about highlighting the small issues instead of focusing on the bigger, more consistent picture of you being a selfish and inconsiderate partner. I was yeah. absolutely ready for Andrew to bring up Issa. I was, I was like, you Man, that no, would have been that team. Honestly, that would have been good writing. Honestly, you could tell that he was either going to bat or going to Howard Sex Game Wet when she got the call. Like, he was, um, like, oh, like as, as a nigga, as a, as a man who has been in his fair share of arguments, 
I can tell when niggas about to be like, I'm about to go, I'm about to cook your dumb ass. And he was there. And then she got the call. And so when they get back, you know, it's a, a tiring and, and everything. Molly's so proud that she made it this far, you know what I'm saying? Instead of like the actual compatibility in the relationship. She's just like, we made it this yeah. far. I'm not going to go back. And Andrew's like, well, shit, nigga, is that what you want? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are it you- shouldn't even be that, bro. What I love, what Andrew said, that I feel like a lot of millennials needed to hear was, it shouldn't have to be this hard, bro. Men and women, we have this ideology that love equals struggle, and I'm not even going, like, I'm not even going to hold y'all, and I'm not, and I'm not about to throw men up under the bus with this one because I know a lot of women who feel like that's their rite of passage to suffer in a relationship. They either create suffering. Or they take suffering. And at the end of the day, that is so unhealthy. And Andrew was absolutely right when he made the comment, bro, it shouldn't have to be this hard, bro. Like, at all. Yeah, we got this far, but this shit has been a struggle and I'm exhausted. Bitch, I don't enjoy you. Like, there's a reason that, like, every time Molly come in the room, he, he rush off the phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, all that shit. And so, they broke up. Or, you know what that, it is. That, that, that segment. And they broke up. I appreciate like, they, it, but you, you saw what Molly, my bad. You saw what Molly, like, she was just like, we made it this far, you know what I mean? I don't know as far as to be this far. Right, that gotta mean something. And Andrew, the first thing Andrew said was, Molly, what are you fighting for right now? And you know and what, she bitch, was I, stuck. I burst into tears. Because I'm well, being honest hard for the And I think, bro, I cried four times during that episode. Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me what I was crying episode. over. Nigga, I ain't gonna cap, bro. I cried twice. And I ain't even gonna tell y'all who <laughs> or what I cried for. And I ain't even a crybaby ass nigga. Like, I'm no. gonna go burn some sage and dry my eyeballs out in a minute. I ain't no crybaby, bro. I'm a crybaby. It's fine. I'm an absolute crybaby. I'm the pretty girl. I'm the pretty girl. But, like, I'm definitely a cry. I'm a self proclaimed crybaby. But that's the thing. I got a question. Can anybody, if y'all are willing to, it, or is anybody out there in the listener land, can anybody make a case for Molly? Okay, hear me out. <laughs> if anybody was gonna do the mental gymnastics, it's gonna be me. It's the only exercise I'm gonna get today, okay? So <laughs> like, all right, so hear me out. Molly is the quintessential by the book girl. Everything Molly has ever done was by the book. She went to school by the book. She went to law school. She's a practicing lawyer by the book, okay? She's arguably one of the most successful people of her family. And you can see that with her brother's instability and her parents. You know what I mean? She still holds on to the fact that if I do the work, then relationship, a successful relation, no, a relationship is a reward. She didn't say successful. She said a relationship. Because in my head, her relationship with Andrew was not a success. It was an experiment. And Molly, especially because of the way that she treated it. She assumed that if she had this, that, and the third on her terms, then that's success. And it's not. You, she never learned. She went to therapy and never learned how to compromise. Never learned how to work and do her fair share in relationships, including her friendship with Issa. So, and no, am I happy at the end of the episode that both bitches got dumped or whoa, are whoa, having whoa, relationship whoa, whoa, issues? Whoa, 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 whoa. We, you, you jumping a little far. We, we got to yeah, back. bro, you jump. You jump. Okay, my bad. Yeah. My bad. So, we'll get, we'll make get a, making off. a case for Molly in the situation, in the context of Andrew. I mean, for so, me, no. For Molly, for Molly, <laughs> but for, for Molly, she assumed that here she is. She finally found a man that was equally yoked with her. It was something completely different because Andrew was Asian. That is nothing that she, that was never part of, that ne- he never checked off that box for her. She thought her relationship was supposed to look right with a black man 
This is that what's supposed to be right. This is what it is. She was with Dro, so or had that situation ship situ- with Dro, which to me in my head was perfect because, bro, like you're busy. You have sex and attention on your terms. That's what situations are supposed to be for. You're not ready, like, but she wanted commitment. So with with Molly, I think a lot of it wasn't just I want a relationship. I don't think she wanted a relationship specific with Andrew. I think she wanted a relationship just to say she could have a man. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Andrew ended up being the collateral damage behind that. So when he checked her ass about the shit, she didn't know how to take it. And she tried a baby she Molly, tried to cry her way out of it too. She tried to cry her way out of it. She was, she assumed that the relationship was worth fighting for because she wanted to fight. When in fact, Andrew had been already tired. I think what I enjoyed the most about this season of Insecure was that there were realistic and well-founded critiques of Black women and our ideology. Insecure has always been a show that has, of course, highlighted the flaws in, you know, both black men and black women. It's a black, if you ask me, it's a black millennial show. And I feel like if Absolutely. you think different, I, I feel like you're just trying to seem different. But it's it's a very, very, very well, valid. But, you know, people be trying to make arguments. But I, what I loved and really, really enjoyed about this season was, like I said, there are, and I'll go back to my point as far as the whole, you know, black men protecting black women. There are a lot of us with harmful ideologies, Sam. And we need to come to terms with that if we are going to succeed in work, if we're going to succeed with families and in relationships. And yeah, man, we, we eh, I, I'm going to wait for my spiel till we get to the, the, the Condola Lawrence Issa part of the show. All right. <laughs> Calvin, you want to get into it? Yeah, so here's a reason why I am I am at least temporarily hanging up my best buy polo. So Oh my god. It's it's so dramatic. Say it, Calvin. It hurts hurts to hear you say it. Listen, it it hurt my heart. So This is how I know we're in the upside down because I actually agreed with Lawrence. (laughs) This is how exactly Man, that's how I know it's going there because I I am rooting. I'm about to go grab Calvin Best Buy shirt. So so we get so we after the Molly and uh, Andrew scene, we get to the Issa Lawrence scene, and Issa's tired. Lawrence was walks. Lawrence walks in, and you can tell Lawrence looks like his puppy just died. You feel me? So he's like, you he know, what I'm saying he got the eye bass face, everything. So kind of you know they and insecure through all this laws about its writing. In my opinion, its cinematography is amazing. So it goes. In it. Yo, the cinematography who, of this show. Who think the writing is, is wrong? I've, I've been very open on my. You I'll like put it like writing. this: when everyone. So this season, this season has been great. When everyone can call your big season twist, three was not my favorite. When everyone can call your big twist three episodes in advance, you might need to, you got to do some stuff for. That's valid. So, That's valid. I could so, respect that. And then it does like the, the, a kind of a splice of Laura's conversations with Issa and Condola. And so him and Condiments are talking and she lets him know that like she's pregnant. And you can just feel the like the, um, the, the blood just drain out of Lawrence's face. Right? You just see it like you know, I'm that nigga acted out dread in such he a way, an award. baby. She deserves some. He she deserves the Emmy not. She said she was keeping it, and the bitch said, "Why?" Uh, I'd have got up and left. And that motherfucker why? said, With "Why?" The most why? Bro, 
Whoa! With like, why? With the bro, y'all remember the inflection? Remember the tone? Why? Like, why? Like he could not, why? He, he was fathom, so confused. He could not fathom. But why? Like, he could not fathom her doing that shit. Like it just—it didn't make sense. So very. I'm not even gonna hold you. I believe that bullying is real. I believe in bullying. I feel like we should bully canola oil and to go into the chop shop for the deleted speedy. Bro, when a nigga reacts to your pregnancy announcement with consecutive questions, nigga. And none of those questions are how far along or how are you feeling? Oh, bro, you might want to text Planned Parenthood in the midst of that conversation. Bro, go ahead and send him the cash at request. He had the 400 that man ready. hit her with back to he back. He had the 400 ready. Bro. He had just got the new... He was going to get the pay advance from Sam Fran, Listen, so, so here's my... You can't be a trolley nigga with so a baby. My, so here's my thing. You can't so be a trolley so nigga my, with a baby. Thing. So, A, I understand women's bodies, women's choice. I get that. I am. I, I'm Fuck that. But, but <laughs> I'm on your side with this. If, if, if you tell a nigga that, that you keeping the baby and his first reaction is why, not just why, <laughs> you continuing to keep that baby just feels mad selfish to me. Because and it also feels predatory on how you're yes. going to raise the kid. Because you're raising the yes. kid Man, with someone yes. who has yes. shown you immediately that he doesn't agree with the decision. And then you try to and then you try to get guilt trip him because you know Lawrence is a stand-up nigga. Try to guilt trip him like, you can be as involved in the baby's life as you want. I won't care. Knowing That is a lie. I hate women that say that. that if he if he true if he if he calls your bluff, you can call him all sorts of deadbeat dads. And knowing that Lawrence through all of his character flaws has not shown to like be a deadbeat father. So, and then can I just speak then, on then, 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 then the, the conversation with Issa, we got to, he has to do, go all confessions and explain how he got himself in the situation. And I felt for Issa. I'm like, can somebody splice this confession song over that clip of him talking to Issa? I need Did that. y'all timeline? Do your stuff. Yeah. They put the confession, like they memed him over the confessions album cover. Did y'all see yes. that? Stop they also it. memed him. Girl, I, when they I, memed all them fools the on game. the uh on the uh all of us. No, nah, I was fucking weak. That little sleeper. <laughs> I'm so, weak as so, fuck. So no. So, or the fact that they keep trying to call Easter Melanie. I and call and call Lawrence Derwin. Mm -mm. Listen, so that's and so that conversation where you can just like it's it's hurt it's hurting East because she finally thought that she had everything figured out. She finally thought she had the nigga that she wanted. She had the lifestyle that she was getting, getting comfortable with. And then it's like, boom. Uh, condolences came in with a baby. And so I felt for Issa. I'm like, damn, that's fucked up. And the reason why I'm... I would be sending her white gardenias <laughs> and my condolences. Jesus Christ. Because, no. No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you. Does Lawrence have any homegirls I can whoop her ass real quick? Bro, on some real shit. We might have to turn this into some Ray Karouf type Damn. shit. And, like, like, I that was dark. Let me stop. That, that was dark. dark. I'm not. That was Forgive dark. me. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm sorry, Father God. on this pier did not say that. <laughs> I just want to be clear <laughs> that, that C. Diddy did not say. The fact that we can say all this shit, Calvin can't. It's the all right, listen. Hey, we're the marginalized Listen, party. The people with the least shit can say the most shit. Uh, but okay, in all seriousness, you're not supposed to get the rebound pregnant. In, in all seriousness, that's that's the seriousness. That's why I'm hanging up my jersey. Hear me out. You're not supposed to get the rebound pregnant. 
Man, that you know what, Calvin? You spoke. You just spoke, and I just I honor because that. that's why I'm hanging up. The I'm not jersey. even gonna hold y'all. You're not supposed to get the rebound pregnant. Because Condola was a rebound. If I Condola was not a rebound. Big Teller Bay was because he actually liked Condola. Like you don't pull up to the hey, hey dinner. oh man, fam. You don't. Pull can, up I'm sorry, to the not to cut you off, Allie. But can we speak on that? Can you? Can we? Can we tap into that episode? The way Absolutely. she did, my man Lawrence, bro. Like I don't really. I that's where my issue was with Lawrence and me wanting to pick up a Best Buy jersey, bro. Bro, the way she did that, man Lawrence, and tried to you know use him still having feelings for Issa as an excuse for why she wasn't taking their interaction seriously, bro. That was so foul and for you a couple months later to come in this bitch talk about you pregnant by me and you keeping it when i wasn't even good enough to be your partner bitch i'll push me and you down these steps i feel like bro lawrence got done so bro i feel like my nigga lawrence bro, got but, but, done so shitty because but also it's like fam again the math ain't mapping at thanksgiving time i wasn't good enough to be around your people's this was a. This wasn't serious. Like you, you told me I invited myself to your Thanksgiving shindig, and I wasn't. This wasn't serious. I wasn't really good. And then, bro, she, you let your, you, you told your homegirl, you let your homegirl get drunk and tell me how you really felt about me. And now you keeping the baby, bro. Now you, why, now you keeping the. Okay. But to, but no, Lawrence's question to her was perfect. He was just like, you wouldn't keep a baby with your ex husband, but you'll keep a nigga. You'll keep a baby with me. I'm not even with you. And I, Bruh. That right I there, I would have walked. I would have walked, walked to Karen out. Siegel at the reception desk of Planned Parenthood on Main Street in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I would have gone <laughs> and sent, bro, I would have sent an edible arrangement before the procedure for whatever team is going to alleviate me from this struggle that I might put myself in dealing with this man. Like, bro, I, I'm sorry. That shit was the worst shit. And then, bro, it's, it's coming from, I'm being biased. I'm going to confront my bias, bro, because I've been Condola and I've been Issa, my nigga. And in both I those situations, bro, in both those situations, I feel like I, when I was Issa, I, I, I feel like I made the right choice. When I was Condola, I feel like I made the right choice because the nigga hit me with the Lawrence, bro. This nigga looked me dead in my eyes after we had spent all these months, damn near a year together. You done shot the club up with the black cow, and now I tell you I'm pregnant, and it's like, right. who? Like, wait, what? Like, why, why, why are you asking pregnant? me questions who's that me? don't even go in the right sentence? Like, who is we, bro? You're pregnant. But for, dang. But for, my neighbors have been quiet this really, whole time. I'm weak, they have, bro. They have but no for her to really, bro, for her to really tell that man, on, on Thanksgiving, you invited yourself and you still trying to throw her still having feelings for East. When that bitch's ponytail didn't match her edges, I already knew, bro. She was nothing okay. but sin, bro. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm taking it there. Like Nigga, I'm tired. Room. It's too many resources. It's too many resources and YouTube videos out here for you to have the 4B yakky around your edge with the Remy Smooth hanging off of your her crown. Brain was Stop too playing tight. with me, Connie. We also did not like her braids. Did not like a single updo. I did. I hated it. I hated it. I hated so, it. And, I hated and so, it. Well, one I thing, did not like the shout out thing about this season is we were able to see, we, we actually know the timeline. So we know. And the timeline actually makes sense, right? The timeline is Issa, I mean, Condola, Controller, and Lawrence broke up on Thanksgiving. So that's end of November. 
Issa and Lawrence kind of rekindle shit mid-January. So that's just enough time where it's like the last, you know, the final fuck. If something's cooking. You know what I'm saying? Like, he not gonna know until right then and there. So it's like, I, so, but the, I guess my reasoning for, for temporarily hanging up this jersey, besides the fact he got the rebound pregnant, is and it's also, it's like, You know, and it's like Lawrence been been a little reckless with his penis entire this entire series, right? Hey, that nigga yeah, definitely got burnt like season three. <laughs> that was like, literally my point. We have also seen Lawrence face repercussions for being wayward with his dick. So like mm-hmm. we've definitely seen like the repercussions behind that. Also, we also watched Issa get fucked by fucking TSA Bay and the condom fall out of her. Also, didn't realize that how me and my girlfriends have been, had that experience. I've been through that, so y'all ain't have to go through that. That's not fun. Niggas. It's Bro, not me fun. and niggas rock, paper, scissors over who gonna fish the condom out. That's light. Let's keep it pushing. I mean... <laughs> not rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> or, or th- th- I'm gonna wars. tell y'all a quick story. Thumb wars. You feel me? Like, I, I, I wars, bro. I, I was cracking the fuck out of this man. Literally, like, we were shaking the fucking table. And by the time we finished, we couldn't find the condom. He, we looked on the side of the bed. We looked at the sheath. We could not find this condom. And then he was like, Alex, I think, I think the condom's still inside you. And I'm like, mind you, I am high and drunk as fuck at this point. I'm crossfaded as shit. But like, I'm like, excuse me? I'm not fishing this fucking condom out. I'm not. I'm not doing that. We will birth it later. Like, I'm, what? So literally put me on all fours on top, literally put me on all fours on top of the bed and like, Scoop that shit out like a fish hook. But oh, also, right. you gotta but, do what you also, gotta do. The, the, the issue with that is it also helps if you throw the one yeah, leg up like, like, cool like a dog pissing on a hydrant. <laughs> You're an expert. Um, but also the issue is with niggas not knowing their size because if you got if, if your shit I don't know if your shit <laughs> I don't know I don't know I don't listen, know again I can speak on this because I have a penis. So, because this happened to... But you don't got a double grip but, twist vagina. The, <laughs> the double grip twist vacuum sealed suction shit only fucks, only fucks that up if, if your shit got some extra room. Because it's supposed to be skin tight. Where you, even, even the, the Hoover vacuum ain't supposed to get that bitch off. But if your bitch got some give, give then the suction will do the rest. Again, it's about knowing your size. Because it's happened to me before. But I ain't know I was a young nigga. I ain't know my size. I ain't know I ain't know which condoms fit best with little homie. Once I knew which condoms <laughs> fit best with the little homie, that problem ceased to exist. For me. For me. I wish we had a way to like measure condom sizes for men. That would be cool. Be. It would save a lot of it would save a lot of trial and error. I would absolutely. But also, okay, that would be really time? Also, niggas would have to then be is honest with their, their dick size. So you know, for that. Okay. I mean, I thought dicks only came in big, but I feel <laughs> like that's discriminatory. That is discriminatory, bandit. I just okay. I'm right. All right, I'm learning. I'm learning. We don't, I'm open. We don't body shame on this exactly. here <laughs> Okay. All, all dicks all right. matter. <laughs> all dicks all right. They don't, though. 
I'll be honest with you. All right. So. <laughs> they don't. Th- you sleep they don't. they don't, though. They absolutely we, we don't. We got body shaming so right sorry. now. I'm a small. Because if, because if we start body shaming, that, we, that train ain't going to stop. I'm just trying to cut it off before it gets. It's fine. I'm, I'm a. So real quick, is it story time with Ali? This is not a safe space, by the way. I'm just letting you know. It's not. It's It's absolutely not. All right. So Saturday, I got my bar tenderoni on at Treehouse. Um, I was just fleshy girl, which made that if anybody's been to like a Wet Willies or anything like that, we have our equivalent down at the Treehouse in Mangoes, which is um, another bar that I also work at. Same owners, whatever, whatever. So first of all, let me tell y'all something. I'm going to stop telling y'all when I'm working because my phone would not stop ringing. I do not have pull at the door. It is not my event. I am worried. <laughs> okay. And what's crazy is that even if it was an event of mine, you should not need pull at the door and you should never no, be waiting no, during niggas, the niggas, No, niggas know if it's anything that I'm doing, my phone, my phone goes on do not disturb like at like 10 minutes before it's the not, event starts. Literally by 930, like I'm going to wait for all my niggas, the niggas that are rolling with me are safe and in proximity, and then my phone is going on do not disturb. I have nothing for you. I have no pull at this door. I'm not walking in late. I'm not holding nothing for you at the t- Nothing. You literally have to pull, because I just think it's rude. Like, I think, I think it's rude. Anyway, so I'm bartending. First of all, bartending with a mask on is wild. Secondly, it's wild that niggas needed your pull during a pandemic when niggas should be inside, for real. Should be inside anyway. I'm not going to hold y'all. It's a double-edged sword for your girl. Because while I do want niggers to stay inside, I also made good money on Saturday. (laughs) So, like, I want y'all to be, like, I want y'all to be safe, but I also need my bills paid. I'm not going back to the office for a very long time. So, like, I I need this little money right now. Like, this little money is is make or break for your girl. So, yeah, I need mine, and I need mine off top. Feel me? So... It was, like I said, very double-edged sword for your girl. I don't know if niggers were just tired of being indoors. They were. Or I'm actually kind of cute. That could also be true. But, like, my niggas, they were on my ass this weekend. Like, on my ass last week. And mind you, I even put the titties away. Like, I wore a little crop top that covered the boobs. You know what I'm saying? I had my little high-waist jeans on. Like, show off the shape a little bit. Like, for the most part, like, I was really cute, really cozy. Like, nothing nothing was hanging out or extravagant that showed off too much of anything. And these niggas made no, like, they wasted no time. I mean, they blessed the tip bucket, which was wonderful. And then, of course, you guys got the, y'all, every city has the guy that walks around with the roses and flowers. So, Cincinnati's no different. A couple niggas put some flowers in my little tip jar. Like, cool. Like. Totally cool. I, one guy. All right. So I'm. This guy comes up and he's literally in Treehouse now. Treehouse is a patio bar. It's outside. Anybody it's see? A, it outside. literally looks like the out. It's outside, and it, it's meant to look like a treehouse, like somebody's p- backyard patio space, right? Cobblewood, all of that shit. Literally fucking tree swings, like really casual place to be. Like we don't even really wear heels in Treehouse, like. And if you wear trees, I'm telling you, yeah, I don't wear heels in treehouse. If you wear tree, if you wear heels in treehouse, we can tell that A, you're not from here. B, you probably a basic bitch, and this is your only outfit that you really have. And C, well, no, because I do, 
I didn't say I didn't wear heels to treehouse. I said it's few and far in between. But also, niggas because this bad bitch don't stop. Also, a niggas know you. They also do know me. B different between some. And mind you, this is y'all fault for for exposing me to fashion and words and spectrums and shit. This is all your fault. Um, (laughs) It's your fault. Y'all could not a monster. There's not a day I don't regret it. So, but like, there's a difference between like some some casual heels that you know some some sly shit. Because I know between you and Jay and Tanea, y'all wear sneakers like very minimally, or y'all wear flats very minimally. But there's a difference between like the cool casual shit that you know you got some jeans and you just throw on a heel because you want to throw on a heel. And then you could tell the bitch who got dressed for the club in the skin tight dress with the, with the spaghetti straps in the in the, in the five bitch. Yeah, heels. like read the room, you baby. Like, you can read tell. the room because there was a girl definitely overdressed, and it was almost it was because I overdressed too, but it was uncomfortably overdressed. Like, there's no reason why you should be wearing Louboutin heels to Treehouse. There's no reason why you should have your Louboutin heels at Treehouse. That, that means, Honestly, because that, of the cobblestone, you're going to ruin. But also, them. that probably means they ain't real. You know, mm. because the cobblestone will ruin those like, shoes. It, it will ruin the heel. They not gonna be red bottoms by the end of the night. They not. You, again, this is y'all fault. Real people with real lubes don't wear them to treehouse. But if you got some fake no. lubes, and to be honest with you, there's no. There's nowhere in Cincinnati that I'd truly be like, oh, yeah, these are Louboutins. Like, this is a Louboutin no, event. Was, there's not enough. It'll be, it'll be a certain event. There's not enough events in Cincinnati. Anyway, continue. continue yeah, story, like, friend. it was just a lot. Like, and then, of course, the fight broke out at the end of the party. Um, we didn't see each other in three months. Yeah, but you thought you would have squashed that little beef no, by now. No, no. There's probably there's probably beef that started and also, in quarantine. First of all, that's that was literally my second point. How do you beef during quarantine and niggas are supposed to be at home? Just pull up to that motherfucker's house. <laughs> you could have pulled up by now. But like, I don't, the like, beef probably I started in don't quarantine. Understand. And then you know, <laughs> probably these niggas, you know, got they were with their families or their side families. Either or, neither which is my business. Families or the side family. But you know, it, okay. when, when you with the side family, you're not necessarily trying to have everybody know where your side family lives and shit. You know what I'm saying? So you're just like, when I see you, I want to oh, no, see fact. you. Out. You feel me? So there, it was probably beefs that started I, in the quarantine. You know, niggas ain't got shit to do but be on their phones. So you know, shit happens. And then it's like, nigga, when wrong. next time I see you on the street, it's up. And it was up. <laughs> It was, yeah, Treehouse was a zoo. It was absolutely wild. But real quick, so shout out, you know what? I always tell y'all, our listeners, how much we appreciate you and how much we could literally cannot do this here podcast without each and every last one of y'all. Y'all have heard us say this time and time. And we love y'all for it. However, Calvin, one of our listeners literally inboxed me and was just like, hey, Alex, what's up? I listen to the podcast. You know, thank you. Appreciate it. I have a question for you. I'm all ears. Are you going to bring Linguini Luis to Juneteenth or is he sitting this one out? <laughs> niggas, hey, niggas, niggas all fed a cheaty Freddy's head, boy. <laughs> e, it reminded me of that scene in ATL, the Juneteenth episode of ATL. Mm. 
That's exactly oh what my that God. felt like. That's exactly Nigga, what that you know, felt like. You gonna bring lasagna Louis to the to, to the team? Am I bringing linguini Louise to Juneteenth? Hey, so, so, That's so, hey, You know what? The answer is no. Shout out to that listener though, because whoever that listener is, I fuck with you the long way. Off strength, off the dribble. <laughs> I'm really, really irritated, guys. You know what? First of all. No, no one t- I've got more sense than Ain't that. Ain't no one tell you I've got a- to date a nigga from the mafia during these times. Ain't no one tell you to do that. But he's okay. First of all, y'all y'all created this narrative about him, and like he's totally not like that. Like you think he's I'm totally you not think like I'm that. I'm gonna let your little facts ruin my joke. Ah. <laughs> 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 Your facts won't stop this laugh. So real quick to you, you know, to our listener, fuck you. Um, I have more sense than that. I I am not bringing bringing him to Juneteenth. I don't think. And honestly, Juneteenth is something that I want to be like a fubu moment. Like something for us. We got to leave Alfredo Alfredo Anthony at home for this one. Um, It's, It's quite okay. And I'm pretty sure, you know what? Probably has to work. So... You know, and I know he listens, so shout out to him. Like, I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, nah, nah. We're, we just, it's okay. You may not like, bring your you white woman to this live. This is the African people's live. Do only. not bring your white wife. Do not bring your white wife. Do not bring your white wife. You know what? If you bring, like, no. You know what? No. Let me tell you this. I don't mind y'all bringing y'all, y'all non-black spouses to things that are black people celebrate. Have the conversation with them that they are guests at this event and they need to act accordingly. Like, they're more than welcome. I'm not, I don't believe in excluding anybody, especially if you're coming I ain't to gonna hold to, you. White women can't act culture. accordingly and that's why they not welcome, bro. The fact that you gotta even mention that. Bro, when we think about it like this, as a, as a black woman, when we with our dudes and we go to a family function, bro, we play our role into big mama, auntie, cousin, big sis, whoever invites us into the fold. You feel what I'm saying? And then we loosen yeah. up. Then we show them what we're working with. White women don't do that. White women think that every space is theirs. That's why you leave your white fucking fat ass wife at home with your mulatto children, bro. Anybody on that, bro? We don't need to. I'm sorry. Let me chill. Because I don't want to. I don't want to taint y'all's platform, but I'm good. No, you're fine. No, no, no. It's enough we're... diversity amongst the black folks to last up. Eat last us eons. Ooh, I feel this that. is an African event. I, I feel I that. Think, I don't think I don't niggas gonna cancel. I don't think niggas gonna cancel us off of our gift. I don't give a fuck. They can suck my dick anyway. Um, if they, they do, die. bro, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hex them. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> I got. I love witch. Bandits. I got triggered. I got triggered. I, I love don't witch want no smoke. But you know what, bandits? We typically. We don't, we're, you know, me and Calvin, we've been mentally exhausted, so we really haven't had it, had it in us to have the question, to do the question of the day. So I'm kind of throwing you on spot right now. Do you have any do questions it. as a loyal listener, as a, like a supportive listener? Do you have a question that you've been dying to specifically ask me or Calvin? Nobody ever asked us shit. I'm cool uh, with it. Y'all know I love cool asking the I'm good cool questions. questions. The good questions. Cool. Hit us with it. Cool. You know what, Calvin? Okay. We're going to do a mailbag So, episode. um... A bitch is tired. A little... I'm weak at mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. All right. So, off topic, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just interested to hear y'all's perspective. 
Um, and just like I said here, y'all, you know, because I knew I know y'all's question today usually aligns with the tone of the episode. But right. I've had this discussion with a lot of my friends. You know, we're getting older. You know, um, some of the younger millennials are what, 25, 26 mm-hmm. now. Some of the older millennials yeah. are in their late 30s, um, if we're going by statistics. And so what is interesting is our dynamic amongst our parents is changing. So I guess oh, my yeah. question for y'all is my question for y'all is. How are you navigating now raising your parents? Ah, them bitches is hard headed. And it honestly fucked them kids. <laughs> you mean, you mean, you mean like, your mama, nigga? <laughs> my mama is a hard Yes. Like, I your mother, your old. father, whoever your parental unit is, What's now crazy? that we are older, how is it going with your raising them? So at this point in time, because, all right, my parents are older. Specific, when I say my parents are older, specifically my father. My father is 76 years old. So there is no raising him at this point. There's no reasoning with him, especially when it comes to him and his logic. Like, my dad, it was born in 1943. You know what I'm saying? So there are certain things with Pop that are just ingrained. And uh, we call him bigoted. And you're like, by textbook definition, my dad would definitely be a bigot. But he had to be that way because it was about survival. Ain't, you know what ain't I'm saying? Nobody His coming more racist story. than old black men. So. Ain't nobody more racist than old black men. But a lot of it had to be out of survival. He was taught not to fuck with white people because they will kill him. You know what I'm saying? My dad turned 21 in New York. You know what I'm saying? Late 1950s, early 1960s, New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, this, that was his coming of age story by himself. So he had, there was a lot about Northern whites that he had to become accustomed to because you want to talk about respectability politics and where it was born at? Because down in the South, at least he, my dad was born in Miami, Florida. That's the South. He knows what blatant racism looks like. You start getting into respectability politics of racism from the North, from the North of things, the politics about that work a little bit different. And my dad had to figure out how to navigate that space without getting his fucking head blown off, without being lynched in the street. So no, my dad does not fuck with a lot of a lot of the progressive thoughts that I have as a young black. Like for instance, my dad to this day, I do not wear red lipstick around my father. It's something like mm-hmm. red lipstick and white sh- like and white heels. My dad can't stand it. To him, that's some hooker shit. You know what I mean? Also, when I talk to my dad about me going to protest or my me being, you know what I'm saying, as vocal and, and low-key militant as I am, for him, that's scary. Because he knows what protesting has gotten people, his peers has gotten lynched, crosses burned on yards, but literally black men snatched out of homes for having the audacity to use their voice. So telling my dad that I have the audacity to use my voice for him is scary. With my mom, my mom has adopted a lot of hotep ideology, which you'll see a lot with older black women, especially because my mom was born 19 years after my father. You know what I'm saying? So my mom, she was born in the 60s. Her coming-of-age story was radical 80s in San Connecticut by way of Cincinnati. So, you know what I'm saying? My mom is looking at things, and my mom was a band nerd. A lot of her friends, like, there are no black women in band. So a lot of my mom's peers were white women and white, and white people. So her trajectory and her, her ideology of things is very much so still very, 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 very pro-black. Let me not make that, let me not misconstrue that. My mom is extremely pro-black. However, her ideologies about the way black women should and should not carry themselves are steeped in a lot of hotel logic. So having to explain to my mom that I have, I have the right to do the things that I do without being bothered, she never understood that. She's never going to understand that. 
the agency and the autonomy that I have over my body, she didn't grow up with. And rather, one of my parents grew up with watching black girls have autonomy over themselves. So that's scary that, that they have daughters that honestly move how they fucking want to and dare, and dare to be challenged when they grew up in a world that forced them to shrink a little bit, not even a little bit, shrink entirely. They weren't allowed to take up space and be as loud as I am. So watching me do that and explain to them that I have the, the right to do that is scary for them. Like my, my parents sometimes, and I know for a fact, my parents a lot of times have no idea how to take it. They have no clue. So yeah, raising my parents is hard. Um, I'm a single mom of three. And like, it's, <laughs> like it's, it, gets, it gets, honestly, it gets overwhelming feeling like the people who birthed you don't understand you because we live in very, very different worlds. To answer your question, Candace. So my mother, so first of all, most, again, I'm, I have a, a stereotypical black, you know, male story, right? Like I never met my biological father. You know what I'm saying? So like my biological father, Got my mom pregnant, shit the fuck out. And I didn't even know I had a dad until that until like I was like maybe five, six, seven years old. And then by that by that time, that nigga died. You feel me? So I was like, I can't even reconnect with you if I want to, because he did. Such as such mm-hmm. as so being raised by primarily a single black mother, a black grandmother, and then my father, the person who I consider my father. Um, you know, in, in the picture, you know, so my mom is, was born in, like, the late 1950s. So she, her coming of age was the late 60s, early 70s. So we're talking, like, the right after kind of the Civil Rights Act passed and, like, the 70s was kind of more, you know, that free love shit, whatever the fuck. And so my mom, again, I don't, I don't run from it. It was, it was a certified minister. She got, like, her law degree and her undergraduate from Ivy League school. She got her doctorate. But she also has been through a lot. She's been through a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things about my mom's story I I won't share on wax because it's honestly not my story to tell. But just know, like, the accolades doesn't mask the pain. So, so for, for an, until, like, the sixth grade, I was raised with my grandmother. And so... Again, we talk about my mom is very pro-black, but kind of similar to Alex's story. She's not as progressive on certain shit, especially LGBTQ rights. Like she understands that she understands that mm. they have rights. You know what I'm saying? Like she's not like fuck. They shouldn't have rights, but it's also she's still very much. She doesn't know how to talk when it comes to you know that. You know what I'm saying? So she's very much. She, you know, she, I would probably call her homophobic, but like it's like the the whatever least amount of homophobia is because she she doesn't believe they shouldn't have rights, but she just she she doesn't she types to say like that's gay, you know what I'm saying? Like like your cousin, you know he's you know he's like, <laughs> whispering the shit. Um, and so she and so understand so she didn't understand like kind of how you know accepting I am of that community. She also is super so my mom used to wild the fuck out and then got saved. Right? So because she used to wild so because she used to wild the fuck I love out, it. You know what I'm saying? Like most parents. Out, and even in <laughs> like my beginning years of like living to getting saved and you know sanctified <laughs> and, and all of that 
she was always super conservative when it came to like sexuality or like sex or like dating or like you know what I'm saying like she was very stereotypical as like, as much of black moms were as far as like they'll be going they'll be running out here with these little fast ass girls like you know that type of shit and so with that all I kind of just I didn't really internalize I didn't really talk to her about that shit I didn't talk to her about what I was going through as far as like puberty she she can't teach me how to go through puberty you know what I'm saying she can't you know what I'm saying she just like here in the descent takes some deodorant you know what I mean that type shit um. And so I was thankful for the, for the male village I had to kind of try to piecemeal that father figure as best they could. And so she was, and so she, so even still to this day, she's I'm our only child. So like a single mom only child dynamic is is, is, is different. Like she cries about me. Mm-hmm. Like she was like when I when I went when we went to the protest um, on that Saturday. She cried. She was like, please be safe. She was like, I really don't want you to go, but I know that you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. Just please be safe. And so I was like, look, I, told, I called her when I was done. I'm like, I'm safe. She, she a huge worry work. But it's like, and because with this whole mm-hmm. pandemic, I haven't seen her a lot because she lived 45 minutes away from me. And I'm like, I'll be damned if I get you sick. I'll be damned if I'm out here and I, and I come up to see you or spend a night or two and then you catch it. I'll be damned. So, um, but she raising her, um, or kind of just having a different dynamic because my, like, I'm, I'm closer to 30 now. So you can't talk to me in the same way you could talk to me when I was 16. And so sometimes mm-hmm. she tries that. And then I'm like, I have to kind of like bug back in a respectful manner again, cause that's still your mama. So I was like, Hey, the same, we're, we're peers now. Like we're peers. Like if you ask me to if you ask me to do yeah. shit, I got you. But you can't just volunteer me to do shit anymore because I have my own schedule, my own life, my own priorities, my own shit. And it may not, I'm, I may not be in a position just right. to drop everything for you. <laughs> and sometimes she'll try to pull the, the millennial equivalent of like asking me to come down three flights of stairs to get a remote. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do that right now. I got, I'm busy. Like, we have to fit this in my schedule. And, it's, and that kind of still, you can tell it stings her a little bit because it's like, who the fuck does this nigga think he is? I gotta fit, I gotta, he gotta, mm-hmm. he gotta schedule. I'm still your mama boy. That type shit. But, um, I'm thankful for the relationship, I'm thankful for the relationship I have <laughs> with her because I understand it could be a lot worse. I've seen it be a lot worse with my peers, my friends. So, I am thankful for the relationship I do have. She's still, she still try to shield me from certain shit. Like she, she would type to get sick, get well, and then tell me that she was sick after the fact. I'm like, don't do. That. She was, don't <laughs> right. That's me. Was, That's me. She was like, oh yeah, though. I forgot to tell like, you had a little surgery. My son had a, a little surgery. Excuse me, mother. A little said, surgery. No, I would literally kill my dad. I don't want to worry you. I would kill my dad. Like I'm worried. That's my dad. There are things that my dad, I know for a fact, does not talk to me about, and that pisses me off. Because then I'll catch it on the back end, and I typically, when I catch wind of it, it's because they now need my help. Not because I was ever involved in the decision-making, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. Like, do not make decisions for we, that me, without me, that we have to get us up out of. Like, don't ever Mm -hmm. do that. Like, don't do no shit like that. Because number one, I have to do it because you're my family, and like, I'm not gonna ever see you asked out. 
But now I have to expend resources that I wasn't prepared to. And we may not even have to go down this road had you included me in the shit you had going on. So now I have to get us out of shit. I had no, like, I had nothing to do with. Oh, I got an attitude. And my father is good for shit like that, especially when it comes to his health. Like, or what's going on with, like, my dad has a couple rental properties. We have some issues with that. So now he's not telling me what we're walking into. But on the back end of shit, it, it's going to take me to have to get us up out of this. And I'm irritated. Like, I'm dead-ass irritated. So, like, COVID has affected us to the point where, like, um, for instance, I have, rent like, me and my dad have rental properties together. And, like, now that because of COVID, our tenants are having issues paying rent. Like, and we're, we're not undecent people. We're trying to work with you. But, like, I'm not going to financially cripple myself or my father trying to, you know what I'm saying, help other people, especially now that I myself am not working. So, but my dad, knowing how I am, knowing how I roll, like, I'm sorry, guys, what is it about my street that tells nigga to beat down the block? Like, what is it about this street? Because <laughs> I swear to God, this don't happen nowhere well, else. Maybe you live but in like, the hood it's, I don't know what else to tell you. Okay. You, you knew it is what a little this was when you signed up for this. Kind of. Kind of. soothing to you, me. I mean, no, it doesn't bother me no. except when I'm on the phone. <laughs> it doesn't Valid. bother me until shit like this happens. Like, because I could fall asleep to my neighbor's argument. That does not bother me at all. It's when y'all start, like, firing gunshots and masquerading them as fireworks that really starts to, like, get, that gets under my skin a little bit. Like, that triggers me just a little bit. Fireworks, man. They have been firing off. They are going to Indiana. They going to Indiana, bro. As soon as you cross the Indiana border, you could buy them bitches right there. They are going to Indiana. And from Cincinnati to Indiana is a 20-minute drive, bro. There's some niggas who who live in Indiana who claim Cincinnati because it's that close. No, I'm serious. It's really that. that, You know what? When I leave Cincinnati, there are going to be two things that I miss. A, the Kentucky liquor stores that stay open until 2 a.m., and the fact that we can go to Indiana and gamble and smoke in the casino and won't nobody say nothing to me. I have smoked whole ass blunt in the Indiana casino and dare somebody say something to me. Weed is still illegal in Indiana, by the way, so don't try that Let's shit. Like I'm just like I'm just that weed bitch. Is, weed no. is illegal. And no, in, I'm not putting in, my in, marijuana in, out. Listen, in Indiana, damn near being black is illegal, depending on where you at. So like you got it here. High key, yeah. Indiana is like the Alabama of the North. Bro, that is the perfect analogy. You you get to Indiana, if you don't go straight to Lawrenceburg, you you need to go straight to Indianapolis and do not pass go, do not collect more dollars, do not do none of that shit. Because it's it's literally, it's literally, no period. Yeah, no, for real. It's literally gas up, bro. Indianapolis, Erie, Indiana, and in between is straight Alabama. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not stop. Until you get to one of those. Don't get no gas, bro. Gas up in Ohio. And when you're on your way back east, gas up before you leave that Illinois border or gas up in Gary. Do not stop in Indiana. Unless you, unless I you gotta stop in Indianapolis. Don't nobody stop. What's crazy is that I had to drive. We drove down south. We had to get to Louisiana for something. And we stopped in Alabama. Stupid. And, mm. like, I mean, I was petrified. I was like, we only stopped because we absolutely have to. I was like, bro, I'd rather stop in Mississippi than Alabama. No, like, if we had to stop. Mistakes, 
People say God don't make mistakes. I was mistakes. petrified. And I disagree because otherwise. I disagree too. God be tweaking. Mississippi. Mississippi is a, a state full of mistakes. Yeah. Them niggas are full 50 of in everything except obesity rate. I mean, if God didn't make, if, if, if God didn't make mistakes. Cleveland wouldn't exist. So, I mean... Honestly, if, if we look at the Bible, it says on the seventh day... Like, that's, bro, that's Cleveland. one, that's one, I'm sorry, that's one oh, gassed nah. up city, bro. The people, the city itself, that is a very strange dynamic them people in Cleveland have with Ooh. themselves and with the city of Cleveland. And with the rest of Ohio, was, like, what? Like, nigga, you, but that's not, I'm sorry, y'all. No, like, it's nigga, a lot of ego in Cleveland. There's a lot of ego. Years, so let's be honest with ourselves here. Bro, what is in there to y'all run Ohio? What is there to run? Cornfields and soy, Ooh, bro. What is there to run? Ooh. Like, nah, put all that money into y'all's tower. lake by yeah, tower by tower city. Yeah, they in, live in and die by tower niggas, city. Shut the fuck up. You niggas put all that money into y'all's lakefront for LeBron to take his ass to an ocean coast. Like, honestly, and even, even literally the Bible says on the seventh day, yeah, rest. Now, whenever, now, whenever <laughs> you do shit, if, if you in a good groove, do you just suddenly stop? Or do you rest when you fuck some shit up and realize, I need to rest before I fuck more shit up? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not wrong. You're My not dad wrong. is an honest guy. And I, he gonna You're be honest wrong. about the mistakes he made. <laughs> I am fucking screaming. But you know what, guys? I don't want to be long-winded because I don't want we. I don't want to too much of a good thing. So we're gonna wrap up. Bandit, since you're our guest, you hey. have a positive you want to leave us with? Hey, bro. I really just want to let everybody know. At the risk of sounding corny, bro, love really is the answer. And if you do not have it to love anybody else, bro, please put in that diligent effort to love yourself. I I ain't got nothing else to add with that. Y'all be blessed. Drink your water. Sanitize your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. No kissing in the mouth. Um, learn learn to shut the fuck up when (laughs) shut the fuck up is necessary. Um, what else? And last but not least, last black men this week. Anyways, um, and lastly, if you're gonna tweet about it, be about it. Whatever, however that means to you. If you tweet about it, be about it. Be about it, because I runs down. But you know what? Thank you, Bandis, for coming on. We appreciate you. Oh wait, also, I want to tell people where to find me. So if you guys have never heard of me, which I don't know how, I'm on like the majority of social media platforms. No, bro, that was me because I ain't even introduced myself in the beginning. But you can find me at your boyfriend's BFF on Twitter. That's capital Y A B O Y F R I E N D S, capital B F F on Instagram as well. well. At, we will definitely have her at in the bio for sure. But no, Vanessa right now, um, she is doing readings. Um, if you're looking to get the, you know, a tarot reading from her, um, she will be able to walk you through what it takes to do that. All that information short in my book sis, with her short is my in the bio. Sis. Don't short my sis. Bro, you can't short me because if you do, you will be hexed. Period. And that honestly, there's not too many people I would like smoke with. Bandits, a, like, there's a list of people. A, oh, Bandit scares the fuck out of me. Bandit scares the fuck out of me. Absolutely. 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 <laughs> I don't want no smoke, bro. 
That bitch will say some shit, <laughs> and I'll be vexed for the next right, 10 listen, years of my listen, life, bro. Listen, is, on, is on the top of the list I do not want smoke with. I would. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, that's crazy, because it's all love with us, so y'all would never even see that I side of me. Listen, I don't, I don't, just, I, I don't, don't play, you know, I don't play I don't, them, I, I, listen, I don't play them games. Hey, the games with stupid prizes. I am good. No. I am good. Man, listen. Good. I am great on it. All right. But no, but it's your girl, Allie Nicole. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, but anybody uh, that is interested, even if you just got questions, whether you want to book or not, I'm available for the information because niggas can't be out here moving ignorant. So, yes, bro. And thank y'all. I love y'all, bro. Y'all know I love y'all. The love always oh, real. Love I ain't going to get sentimental. Hey. But thank y'all. For sure. It's your girl, Ali Nicole. Niggas be thinking I'm deep, intelligent, fooled by my college degree. My IQ is average. There's a young lady out there, she way smarter than me. I scroll through her timeline in these wild times and I started to read.